Alright. <laughs> it's okay. Just say Olia. Olia. It's such an interesting name. What does that mean? It's actually a nickname for Olga. Olga is my legal name. Oh, you're... I know Olga. Andrew and Andy, same mm-hmm. Olga and Olya. Olya. You say it how you say it? Olya. Olya. Yes. Olya. Olya. It's almost like you don't pronounce the L. Olya. Yeah, it's like a, a soft... And if you write it in Cyrillic, acrylic, uh, then it's O, L, and letter Ya. Mm. Not Y-A, like in English. Mm-hmm. You would spell it out as Y-A, but in Russian it's only three letters. Olya. Mm. Okay. So two syllables. Now is Russia, you're from Moldova. I'm from Moldova, yeah. Now it's not, their native or main language is Moldovian or Romanian? Romanian. Romanian. Yeah. Okay. Where do you know that from? Nobody knows that. What? <laughs> that it's Romanian, not Moldovian. I, I told you. You speak Moldovian? <laughs> I'm like, nope, not no, a language. Romanian, the country to the west. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> and Ukraine, the country to the east. <laughs> Even <Completely> more <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of turmoil. <laughs> Oh my God! Thousands of years. Lots. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine. And then I'm I'm assuming occupied by the Ottoman Empire at a point. Oh yeah, yeah. for it's either Ottoman Empire and then independency for like a hot second, and then never mind, we're gonna give you to Russia, and gave us to Russia. How does why did why did that and how does that happen to all these countries? Mainly these. Central and Eastern European countries. Like, why do they just, they're like ragdolls to like these, yeah. these bigger empires. Yeah, it's incredible that, that like the, the trinity of the Romanian countries, there used to be Romania, Transylvania, and Moldova. And then the present day Moldova, it's actually about one third of original Moldova, mm. which is now Romanian territory. Yeah, it's but small. It, yeah, it used to be all the same, you know, the same population, same um, historically speaking, like, and and I don't know how, how do you say that? Anthropologically speaking, we are the same people, Moldova, Romania, and Transylvania. It's all the same nation, but there's been a lot of, you know, divide and conquer type of things. Yeah. And do you think that has to do with um, probably just geographical placement? Yeah, absolutely. Landlocked? We're, right now we are landlocked, mm-hmm. but we used to have direct as- access to the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. And so that that was very sought after, mm-hmm. you know. And then that territory was forever given to modern day Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Moldova used to have access to the Black Sea, though. Okay. So. Yeah, Ukraine is really big. Yeah, Ukraine is like I don't know seven times bigger than Moldova. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's huge. And you were born in Moldova. I was born in Moldova. Yeah. And uh, when did you come to America? I came here ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. Teen teenager. Yeah. Yeah, for college. 18, for yeah, college. for college. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you, we, we met through you being in a band and you're a violinist. And I remember, I don't know how I got <laughs> it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I used a little bit of, of experience to guess that, oh, but I guess course. the age you started yeah, playing. the first things you said to me. <laughs> and I guessed how old you were. Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember the last thing I guessed. I got three things, I guess. You did. Was I, it where you were from? I don't know. No, that would have been crazy if I one of that. But one of the most memorable things, though, was that um, I said to you that people find me intimidating. And then you said something very revelational to me, revelatory to me, that most of it, it's my accent. And I was like, whoa, oh, yeah. it's true. It's always the accent. The, it's an, an accent 
particularly on a on a woman. Oh yeah, Eastern to, to, a, to a man yeah. is a very um, intimidating thing. Not in in a negative way. It's just you also have a different dynamic socially in in oh, other yeah, countries, course. especially countries that are harder, like literally harder yeah. on their on their citizens and people. It's a more harder upbringing. Polish, German, Czech, Austrian, Moldovian, Belarus, yeah. Ukrainian, like Russian, all of that. Yeah. It's a much stricter and harsher upbringing. Absolutely. And you add an accent with that mentality to, like, the softness of American society. Right, to the extremely polite, nobody wants to offend anybody yeah. type of society. It was, I cannot tell you how annoyed I was when I first got here and how irritated, uh, irritating I found, like, most of the American qualities. Like what? Can you be more specific? I just felt like everybody was fake, you know? Mm-hmm. I couldn't help but feel like, well, first of all, it's, if you come from my culture, it's weird to hear, how are you, and then not have a conversation about how the person is doing. Like, in America, if you ask, how are you, the expectation is, good. Yeah. No well. matter how the hell you're doing, yeah. right? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Okay, great. Then that's a superficial Go conversation. Go about right, your way. Right. Exactly. So what would be, give me an example of what a conversation would be like. How are you? Oh, doing doing good. Did this and that and whatever. And then you have a little like chit chat about what you did. And then you may have a, I don't know, somewhat of a deep uh, exchange you know, mm-hmm. uh, about, like, what you're feeling while doing something and, like, some, I don't know, it just seems, it seemed at least more meaningful to mm-hmm. have a conversation like that versus, how are you? Great. <laughs> but now that that's something you would have with just anybody, even a random person on the road, on the street. It, that's, the, that's the major difference. You don't uh, ask unless you don't want to know. Right. Do you think that's just, see, I always have this hard time with with America versus other countries because there are different ethnicities and religions in other countries, but it's not as extreme as America. Right. America is like everything in the world in one place. Right. So you create a really not in depth culture. We don't have a fa- we don't have a thousand years like you right. have or further. Right. Uh, we don't have this like we have to stick together to get through something. We 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 used to, but it was mostly just through like world wars. Right. You know. Uh, again, we're detached. Those happened in Europe and the Pacific, and we're in America. Land, you know, our states are landlocked, and we have safety on both sides of this mm-hmm. of this water. Oh, safety, the, yeah, safety, right? <laughs> and we just kind of strong arm Mexico below us, and nobody cares about Canada it's above despicable. us. Yeah, really. And so we kind of have like we're in our own little la la land over here. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And you really can tell by lots of aspects of the American culture, like. The World Cup? What? <laughs> How is it a World Cup? Oh, it's the World Series? See, I'm sorry. No, the yeah. World Series. Yeah, yeah. Right. The World Cup is totally different. But, like, World Series. Okay, well, first it's time hilarious. I heard that, I was like, between who? who is the world? America mm-hmm. and America. That really encompasses the American culture, I feel like. Yeah, very, I don't know if this is a phrase, but a very national-centric country. Absolutely. America, best country in the nation. Number one. This is <laughs> that. We're not number one in a lot. No. Know, especially with education, health, oh my God. literacy, yeah. um, even, even you know, GDP. So oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's, we're good at a lot of things. We, we, yeah. we really are. 
but that's because we have a massive amount of people to choose from. Yeah. We we extrapolate the best around the world. Like the NBA, you know, for basketball, there's a lot of players from America, but when there isn't, when they're from Asia or mm-hmm. Europe, we just take the best ones. We pick them from around the world, and of our course. team is our teams are unstoppable, especially in the Olympics. Yeah, we, they win gold every year. Yeah, <laughs> because you have the best players everywhere, and yeah. I mean, even players who are born in other countries have to play for those teams. Like, if someone's from Croatia, they have to play for that team in the Olympics. But we still have such good players in America. Yeah. Just naturally. I mean, it is it is a huge American sport. But the World Series is a funny one. Yeah. Um, you know, traditional football or what we call soccer here right. is so popular around the world. The mm-hmm. most popular sport there is. Mm-hmm. But not here in America. I mean, it's popular, but not really. It's more popularized by people who come here from Europe and Mexico. You know, like my grandfather is Mexican or was, you know, he passed away a long time ago, and but he watched so much football. Yeah, I watched it growing up. Yeah, yeah. and it, I liked it a lot. I just, huge. it was never pushed on by like more family and friends around me. It was, I always enjoyed playing it and stuff. I just never really took to it. It was always baseball, football, it's hockey. It's less soccer, dramatic. It's less than dramatic. American football. Yeah. When it, you can get a concussion just by being out there. <laughs> I know, I know. And, and I don't, I don't really care for those types of sports. I care more for the strategic ones, the put in the time, you know, yes, using your mind. I really enjoy, that's why I like, I do like soccer. I'll use soccer for the sake of people listening, you know, golf, soccer, Formula One racing, things that are super strategic, Strategic, super uh, mathematical and planned out and take a lot of time and effort and there's so many moving parts, you know, it's just, I don't know, I like it. Chess, big fan of chess. Funny you mentioned um, soccer and chess in the same sort of uh, topic of conversation because there is a Russian joke that I will try to tell you. Um, what's the difference between chess and soccer? Chess, everybody can but doesn't know how. And soccer, everybody knows how but can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know Russian humor <laughs> totally very dry <laughs> very dry <laughs> it sounds better in Russian I promise I, you know I, I've heard that about a lot of jokes like they don't yeah, always work well translation and also just also like cultural norms pop culture references sure just not the same across Mm-mm. all cultures but that's funny um, very true I I really love chess probably my favorite game to play and I don't have enough I people to play it, with but I suck at it you suck at it I suck Suck at it, like so in what way? Like, if you played it, do you do you know all the moves you can do and the the strategy behind all the parts? And what? I know basics, but I don't know executing every... it just doesn't come yeah, to fruition. No, it, you know, it's not like okay, I suck at it. I suck at it because I haven't spent time learning how to do it mm-hmm. well. You know, it's yeah. not like oh, I tried so hard and I suck at it. Mm-hmm. No, no, I just didn't. You know, didn't spend so much like. I would not say I suck at the violin, even though I feel that way, even though you I've been playing. You definitely do not suck at the violin. <laughs> I'll tell you. you that right now. I've been playing 20, tw- 22 years, and, you know, there are definitely times when I feel like, you know, why? What is happening right here? Like, what am I? Why? <laughs> what is happening? you're not detached from it. Not only no. have you been playing a long time, like I've been playing guitar for 17 years. Yeah. But you've been playing for 22 years, and you started at five. Yeah. You really don't know what it's like to not know how to play the violin. Right. Like, even if you go back to your most distant memory, you still don't really know what it's like to not play this instrument. That is true. So you'll never have that 
third-person perspective, that outlook, that balance of stepping away, mean like this, this, and that. Like you can try to fathom it, but you'll never get there. Like it is part of right. who you are. Absolutely. So you are so critical on yourself. And that's a yeah. good thing, but at a certain point you have to know when to yeah. when to like have to accept it for what it is. You're a human right. being, you know. I definitely, definitely would not learn this if I still lived in Moldova. Absolutely mm. would not have learned this. This is something that I understood here living in the U.S. And what, what made you understand that through living here versus Moldova? Probably because, well, oh my God, so many things. Uh, what comes to mind is that, you know, when you're a classically trained musician, you're you're sort of ingrained with the idea of perfection and you have to, you know, ac- be really good at executing every single note and don't cheat and like be perfect. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> my chamber music professor at uh, at Roosevelt used to used to joke with us. He he would explain a con- concept to us about how to uh, play something in a quartet, for example, and he would be like, "Okay, got it. Okay, now do it perfectly. Okay, <laughs> it's not it's not possible. That's the like, yeah. the funny part. It's yeah. not not possible. Um, playing in bands. That's what did it for me. Mm. Playing in bands. It's not about perfection." And then I had a major realization that my favorite non-classical musicians are actually not very good at their instruments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. It's like, the most fun. John Lennon sucks at piano. Like, yeah. let's be honest. His his piano playing is like a, a third grader who just <laughs> learned how to play some chords. You know, yet it's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. So realizing that chilled me out a lot. Well, do you think that that the whole term classically trained, it comes from the classics. It comes from hundreds of years of an old way of doing something because tradition. Well, there was no recorded music. Right. Up until the last hundred and twenty years and, right. and really well recorded in the last eighty years. Right. And because of that, if and the only way to hear music was to go see it performed. And I think the whole idea of making something sound the best it could had to be at a concert had to be in a performance you had to go to these acoustically built and treated facilities these theaters and see this spectacle which was an orchestral piece and it took a long time to learn these instruments there there was not a youtube video there was not uh you know people to give lessons left and right all over the place you can find lessons all the time now there's so many people everywhere you can look it up on your phone doesn't mean it will be good no it doesn't mean it'll be good but but not having that available, it meant the person had to learn that really well from someone, just them two. There was no one else to teach you. From the start, too. From the start. Yeah. There was, especially before, it was easy to even get books, you know, 500 years ago. So the classics, it's like you're, you know, past the the Baroque era and the Romantic era and going into the, the 20th century, I started, I started to feel like it started fading once you had recorded music and you started implementing other instruments and started cross-genre, like cross-pollinating all these ideas right. from Africa, Europe, yeah. the Middle East, Asian music, and Native American music. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's when the lack, I, the right word wouldn't be perfection, but the lack of perfection started more acceptable because people started to realize you can express yourself in other ways. Right. It doesn't have to be so strategic and so stringent and hard on you. Yeah. You know, rock and roll is so sloppy. The 60s <laughs> rock and roll is sloppy. It's just a bunch of people been playing instruments yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. And they just started putting it together in a new way. It's brilliant. It's, it it's great. It blows my mind. blows my mind that, like, 
There are musicians who are so square and they studied music for like 20, 30, 40 years. They can't improvise for shit. It's incredible. And then you like have someone who loves music, mm -hmm. was like listening to, I don't know, Beatles mm -hmm. uh, growing up and was like, well, I can do this, picked up a guitar and played a couple of chords and thinks he's brilliant and is probably going to write more songs mm -hmm. than someone who studied classical music for 30 years and is striving to play Mozart perfectly. Now, why is that? Let me ask someone who's been classically trained. You've probably played in or orchestras before. Yeah, yeah, of course. A lot of I things. I still do. I mm -hmm. still do. Yeah. Which one do you play in currently? I don't play in like a set orchestra, but I take orchestra gigs once in a while. Like okay. I'm actually doing an opera um, on August 5th at Talia Hall Whoa. at Puccini Opera. That's so cool. I would, if I'm in town, I'm coming. I'll get you a ticket. I would love that. <laughs> as long as you whisper, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know it's recorded. Hilarious. <laughs> I just made you laugh so hard your headphones flew off. <laughs> I did. Sure did. That's so funny. So why is it that such class... Because I know musicians like this that you're yeah. mentioning. Uh -huh. Why is it that such classically trained musicians who understand dexterity and timing and pitch so well mm -hmm. have the hardest time making up their own song just something anything they only now only but most of them seem to only be able to sight read music really follow well and page. execute it follow the page yeah. follow the page uh -huh. do what they're told really well freakish, yeah. freakishly well extremely yeah. well yeah but then you say improvise here or try this Write a song and show me, and they they freeze. Yeah. Why? What is that? Is it because they didn't train that part of their brain? Exactly. Okay. Exactly right. This is I don't know. This is just one woman's opinion, but I think that the main part that's missing in mu musical education is creativity. Mm. I think classical upbringing. Ooh, I'm gonna get a lot of heat from a lot of people for this. Say it. Classical upbringing kills creativity. I agree with it you. It kills it. It destroys it up to the point that you grow up and you realize as an adult you have a choice. You know, as a kid, maybe if you're forced into playing your instrument like I was, you don't have a choice. But then you grow up and you have a choice. You can try things. No one's going to kill you if you do it wrong. Why were you, know? you forced into playing an instrument? Well, or how? How? Funny story. Not so funny. Doesn't sound very funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was five, and my dad was really um, inspired to have me play an instrument. Um, what do I mean by that? He was inspired to force me mm. to start playing violin. Anyway, I started playing violin because that's what I was told to do. Uh, but what I, if you didn't like it? I didn't. Right. I hated it. <laughs> I fucking hated it. It was so terrible. Everybody was like playing outside. Like I lived in a five-story built communist building, you know. And are all they the all kids, communist buildings or just yours? I, I think there are some modern buildings now nowadays, but in the nineties, yeah, all it was all communist leftovers. Um, we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> we will. Ooh, I am a communist leftover. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, my name, my last name is Prohorova. That's as Russian as it gets. Uh, do you, you speak know? Russian? Yeah, it's my main language. I mean, really? Probably now English is my main language, but so Russian, Russian Romanian, and English. Mm -hmm. Anything else? A little bit of Japanese. 
just a little tiny bit. Right, because you love Japanese culture. Yeah, I do. Wonderful. We'll get to that, too. Yeah, let's, get, let's get back to yeah. this five-year-old being told yeah. in a communist apartment complex. Yes. <laughs> you must practice. Oh, God. <laughs> just, you know, take taking up my violin and yeah. watching. I remember watching the kids out the window play in the God. playground and just crying crocodile-like sti- uh, size tears, you know, just just like bawling, just wanting to playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star <laughs> and wishing that I was outside really oh, playing, so playing with my friends. At the same time, I have to say, as my adult logical, logical self, there is so much value to my dad making me do what he did, play, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, getting me to go to the best musical school in Eastern Europe. Because it's one of the best in Eastern Europe. It's the best in Moldova for sure. For elementary, junior, high, oh, high school? For, it was, that's another very lucky thing. I went to the same school from grade 0 to 12. Mm. And it was the same, you know, it was the same program uh, for everybody. You would have one classroom full of kids who took the same classes. It wasn't like, you know, in the U.S. you'd like pick your own classes and in high school and whatever, based on what you think you will do in college. How the fuck are you supposed to know what you're going to do in, in college like, as a teen? That's ridiculous. But then in my case, I knew what I was going to do since I was five, right? And so did everybody else in my class. Mm. Everybody plays an instrument. It was like my school had three 300 kids. Did you know what you were going to do? Or did that forced compliance turn into, all right, I guess yeah. this is what I... When did you actually want to start doing it? I can tell you the exact moment when. Okay. I went to see Aerosmith live. (laughs) When? (laughs) At Tilly Park Stadium. Oh, the Tweeter Center? Uh, Did you say Tinley Park Stadium? Yeah. yeah. Wait, I guess it's not the Tweeter Center. I don't know what it's called Uh, anymore. I don't know. Wait, when was this? I was 20, so this Wait, was... Wait, it took until you were 20 to realize you wanted to oh, play? Oh, yeah. So no, no, no. <laughs> I, I kept playing just because, you know, that's my education. I have yeah. to keep playing. I have to keep playing. Yeah. And that was, by the way, that was also my ticket out of Moldova. If I was doing anything else, I don't know how that would have worked out. But I knew for sure. I knew since seventh grade that I will not be living in Moldova. I knew I needed to get out. Why did you feel that need to get out? Lack of opportunity. A lack of appreciation for the arts, a lack of respect towards women. I don't know. The list can go on forever. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. what is the dynamic there as far as women and men in Moldova? Oh, like, I, don't, I don't know very anything about that. patriarchal. Um, definitely more patriarchal on paper than it is in real life, I think, mm. because women tend to be the problem solvers more than men. I think, you know, like, feminism is needed for both men and women. It's like, if you don't understand that, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Like, I feel sorry for people who don't understand that concept. Can you elaborate on that? On why feminism is needed for men? I know what you're saying, but for the listeners. Of course. Can you elaborate? I would love to. Please do. We have a lot of things to get back to. A lot. But I am keeping track. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're much better at this than me. I already forgot what I was saying 30 seconds ago. Okay. Um, why feminism is needed for men. Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, because the whole 
concept behind how a woman is supposed to be and how a man is supposed to be is flawed, inherently flawed. Mm -hmm. It comes from a very... It comes from thousands of years ago, and it's very outdated, and people, like, want to listen to the Bible for some reason. That's <laughs> a whole nother problem. We'll get into religion. <laughs> we'll Orthodox Christianity? Yeah, thing? Orthodox okay. Christianity. Yeah. Uh, Moldova uh, uh, being, um, in, in its majority, an Orthodox Christian country, mm-hmm. it's uh, it has some very deeply seated like ingrained cultural concepts like a woman cannot go to church if she's on her period. Hmm. Have you ever heard of that before? I have not heard that in Shit's insane. America for Christianity, but I've heard right. that for um I know that that is the case for certain religions. I, I believe in Islam, if a woman is menstruating, she can't go to the mosque, I think. Right. Don't quote me on that. Right. I feel I mean, like I've heard that somewhere. I feel like I've also heard that. And it's not it's not unusual. Like, that's how religions operate. So, anyways, being a religious country, Moldova has a lot of very, very outdated beliefs. Mm-hmm. And thus, we have men suffering for lack of feminism. And, and what do I mean by that? It's men trying to be someone who they're not. And in majority cases, you know, <laughs> um, men trying to man up, if you will, is hurting them. Mm-hmm. Like you're not allowed to have emotion. And women are labeled as emotional and men are labeled as emotionless. Mm-hmm. Like n- neither of those are right. Neither of those are humane. A human hopefully should you know, in, a, in the ideal scenario, um, feel free to be themselves yeah. and not try to fit some sort of picture of what a woman should be or a man should be. Mm-hmm. And men need feminism so that women can be who they are, thus enabling men to be who they are. And men don't need to support women. Women can support themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, we are so past that point. I don't understand how in 2021... There is still conversation about how women could possibly not be able to choose to have an abortion. This shit's insane. Yeah. In 2021, I would think that like by this point, human consciousness have ev- like ev- has evolved to the point that we don't need to discuss uh, archaic shit like this. Yeah, I mean it has for a lot of people. Yeah. But certainly not for everyone. Yeah. Um, there's a massive chunk of the population of this country and the world. Oh, yeah. That goes back too far in their beliefs and not looking at modern day thoughts and concepts, especially understanding that there are some natural things that are, you know, prominent in a, in a female human being. Yeah. In a male human being. Yeah. But makeup, hair length, fashion... Um, decision-making capabilities. Yeah. These are not those things. Right. As far as you have to have the baby. Right. And a man has to provide. Provide. Right. um, Is not always how it is, but what is something that is a fact is you physically have to have the baby. Right. (laughs) And the man physically has to, you know, produce semen and and that's how it works. But other than that, which we all know that, but other than that, there's so many things where beyond that, it doesn't, we have to fall in these tropes and these and these right. constant thoughts of a woman has to look at X, Y, and Z. She has to wear 
makeup. She has, I'm so not a fan of makeup and, and the hair doing and all of it. All like I can't. It's not my problem or my body, but I borderline can't stand it when people mm-hmm. feel the need to do that. I feel bad for them. Like, why are right. you putting yourself through all that? Right. You know, time and money and effort and stress and anxiety. Right. Like, I got to look this way. I got to do this. I, right. Why? Like, because men put that pressure on you. I certainly don't. I don't care what someone does with their body. But I would like to challenge you, though, then. Sure. I used to have the exact same feeling about this as you just described. Mm-hmm. Why do I ever have to do anything with, with myself? Like, I'm okay just the way I am. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are okay just the way you are. Yeah. That is not wrong. That no. is like, it's, you're very okay the way you are, yes. However, we live in a certain society, certain type of society. Mm-hmm. And this type of society appreciates certain things at certain times. So, mm-hmm. for example, it would not be appropriate for me to go to a museum in gym shorts, I think. Like, I would not feel good about myself if I went to the theater wearing flip-flops. But why not? Because I think it's not appropriate. But that's... Why is that not appropriate? It's not... A, it's... Okay. There is a question of what makes you feel good, mm-hmm. Right. If you sincerely don't give a shit about what anybody says or thinks, yeah, then please wear a fucking swimsuit to the theater. Like, who cares, you know? Yeah. But if you feel that you would like to show... it's To me, this appropriacy that I'm talking about, I think it's a thing of respect. Mm-hmm. I think I would, I would feel better about looking respectful towards the people who have been working for... Mm-hmm. years to put something together in the theater like theater yeah. is is a huge operation like yeah. not majority of people have no idea what goes behind putting a, a spectacle together yeah. for for humans to enjoy like it's it's so much work and like i think that we could all try to show respect by shutting your phone when you go into the theater mm-hmm not talking loudly, being considerate towards the people around you, mm-hmm. and looking nice. Like, it's nice to look at someone who looks nice. You go it to is. this theater, right? Like, <laughs> but the makeup thing. So clothes is one thing. Right. But but makeup, like, what do, what's going on there? Like, why, why do women put on makeup and men don't inherently? Great question. And I've been thinking about this probably for 20 years. Um, since you were eight? since I was eight, like I was like I I was ba- baffled baffled I'm sorry for this uh, uh, by this concept. Why does my mom put makeup on? Why does my dad not do that? Mm-hmm. And why is there an expectation? Mm-hmm. There are so many nuances. I think when it comes to this thing, uh, the expectation I think is wrong, inherently wrong. But again, it comes to the question to me of. What makes you feel good? I know men now that put makeup on, and they think that's great. <laughs> if that makes yeah. you feel good, like, yeah. dude, go for it. I love seeing it. I saw a bunch of guys wearing earrings the other day on the street. I was like, yeah, the, cool. the biggest issue I have, though, is how do we know at our core? Is it actually what makes you feel good, or is it actually you trying to fit that right expectation of a look? That like, is when... Self-analysis comes in. Because mm-hmm. even know? to like, why is it every time you see a shredded guy, he has no hair on his body? Like, I'm a man. I know what men look like. Most mm-hmm. men have hair. 
But why is it when someone's jacked and shredded in a movie or in a TV show, they don't have hair on their body? That's so funny you say why this. Why is that? Just they're clearly talking. waxing it off or shaving it off or doing something to it. But why? But also, did you know it has a lot to do with like hormonal stuff? If you work out a lot, you have like an, you overproduce it. Uh, I was just talking about this with my husband the other mm. day. He's like, I don't lose all of my hair, so I'm not going to be jacked up. I'm like, honey, you do you. That's whatever See, you I want. I don't know. How, like, I work there out every day and I am thing. the hairiest person I know. What's but you don't overdo it. We're talking about like people who are bodybuilders. Well, no, they, they, I'm telling you, they wax. I'm telling you right now. Sure. They shave and wax sure. a lot. Like, sure. your hair doesn't just fall off because you work out. They're also doing weird stuff and probably hormones and testosterone. I encourage you to look up uh, uh, the connection between baldness. I'm not talking about body hair. I'm talking about baldness particularly. No, I'm talking about and, body hair. And, yeah. I'm not talking about baldness. Yeah. No, male pattern baldness is. 66% of men lose that. Like, that's yeah. pretty normal. Actually, most people lose their hair before they're old. You know, most right. men do. Right. Even women start to get hit, thinner hair as they, get age, yeah. as they age. But I'm talking body hair. Yeah, I'm talking body chest hair, hair arm else. hair. For some reason, <laughs> if a guy is shredded in a movie, a TV show, a sport, there's no hair. No, no hair. So they're clearly yeah. getting rid of it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, women, for some reason, have this need this push, I don't know if it's a need, but it's a push to put on makeup. And they will say, every time I bring this up, I bring this up as much as I can. Because I like to learn. I want to hear what a of woman course. actually says. And I want to just of have course. this conversation with guys. I yeah. want a woman to actually say it. Yeah. Who would know better, right? Yeah. But every time I bring it up, I always get the same response of like, well, I like it. It's like, are you sure you like it? Or have you just been wearing makeup for 25 years and you mm -hmm. don't know any better? Because you've been mm -hmm. told that your whole life. You watched it in TV shows and your mom, you watched your mom do it when you were a kid. How do you actually know you like it or don't like it when it's all you've ever known? And I can say the same thing about myself. You know, how do I actually know I like having a beard or and looking masculine? Right. You know, it's like it's well, tricky. Do you? I do, but it's that thing is there's a big or difference. Or did society ingrain no, it, you with this it, belief? It didn't because this naturally occurs. This, right. This just comes off of me. Right. Makeup does not naturally occur. Right. So there was an apple and Clear orange Patra conversation. Would, would argue with you. <laughs> that make, makeup naturally occurs. <laughs> I think people look beautiful without makeup. I don't know. I don't understand the whole need for it. but I, I can tell you I experimented with all of these beliefs before. I used to be very anti-hair, anti-makeup, anti-pretty anti clothes, anti-high uh, heels, all mm -hmm. of that. And I can tell you now that I do all of it. At the same and time. At the same time. <laughs> and... I that there's a major major factor in it is that people treat you differently. Oh yeah. People treat you differently. There is a huge difference. If I for example, I put myself together to come here today, mm -hmm. right? If I came here looking like I got out of bed, you probably would subconsciously think like what the fuck is she like did she just roll out of bed and come to the podcast that's a little maybe tiny bit like disrespectful or something you're talking to the wrong person maybe. i don't care what anybody wears right i care okay. about what's in here and here right always but yeah. I'm, I'm not a good example you're trust one me. guy ben i know you know i'm like, not a good example trust me if there I'm were more <laughs> people in society like you then a lot of people would feel freer to do whatever the hell they actually feel and not what they think they need to do yeah but in my personal experience, like, I have gone not shaving for years. Mm -hmm. I was like, screw this. This is 
patriarchal bullshit. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. This is not my idea anyway. Who made this up? And like, only through my own experience and experimenting with this, I realized I don't like having body hair. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. So I choose to wax it off. Yeah. You know, it's my personal choice. And that, the difference between like, you know, doing it for yourself and versus um, doing it because you think you should do it is when you choose this for yourself and for yourself only and you don't judge if anybody else doesn't choose that for herself. Right. You go, girl. Like, I see uh, girls with hairy pits all the time. I'm I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. I have nothing against it. Neither do I have anything against, like, women who choose to do Botox and any other cosmetological things. I think both have a right to exist. Yeah. But the difference is, I mean, the the point is, I think, is to know what you want. And I know what I want because I experimented with all of it. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's really good that you experimented. You tried it, at yeah. least, you know. And I tried no makeup, mm-hmm. no anything, doing nothing to myself, you know, for years. Mm-hmm. And that was college. <laughs> <laughs> it's always college. There's always that arrow when you're like, I'm going to try something new. Yeah, it's, exactly. I did the same thing, but as far as men are considered, I didn't shave my mm-hmm. my face. My mm-hmm. ha- I didn't cut my hair. Mm-hmm. I was not hygienic at all. I didn't wear deodorant. I barely took showers. I didn't comb my beard. I was I was a hot mess. I looked terrible. Mm-hmm. I, but I was 20, 22. Right. That's the time to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And I look back on that era and and those photos and I'm like glad I did it then cuz yeah. I'm not doing that now. Exactly. It's <laughs> not know? like in the professional world there are expectations of whether we like it or not. Like yeah. I get hired for gigs not only because of the way I play but also because of the way I look. Mm-hmm. I would be a fool not to consider these aspects. It's very important. Like, I used to work in the theater. Um, I played in a show called Teatro Zanzani. It, it's going to open in a few days at um, Randolph Street Theater District. And uh, I was the only violinist and the only o- woman in the band. Mm-hmm. And I wore a velvet tight dress every night and high heels and I wore makeup and beautiful earrings, etc. I felt amazing doing it. Mm-hmm. Nobody forced me to. I could have worn a simple black dress. Mm-hmm. But I chose to wear something that's extravagant because it fit the place. It's a dinner theater uh, in a, a beautiful Spiegel tent um, with stained glass and velvet curtains and all the fancy schmancy stuff like music from the 1920s and through 50s and and with a twist of modern um there's room for that there's room for for beauty in the world i i, I sincerely believe in beauty no matter how ridiculous this sounds like it's so like beauty can save the world mm-hmm. i think if people were more open to enjoying aesthetics in life people w- could benefit a lot from that like i i have a, a as of lately, I have an obsession with antiques, and my, <laughs> my poor husband just has to go to all the antique stores with me. And I think he actually enjoys it too, <laughs> but maybe he learned to enjoy it. Um, nonetheless, I love transforming my apartment into a museum-like space mm-hmm. because I can tell you from personal experience that it makes the world's difference. Between waking up in a shitty student apartment 
and looking at the wall, looking at that crack and, you know, cursing the landlord in your head, thinking when the hell is she going to fix it? Real story. Never fixed it. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, being an adult who shapes her own place in your own uh, um, aesthetics and waking up and, and enjoying the view of a vase with beautiful fresh flowers like that automatically gives me a boost of happy thoughts and energy mm-hmm. in the morning you know like, i do there's a big difference i do yeah that's how i treat my home too you know? yeah yeah your home looks very nice by the way thank you it's super nice yeah thanks it's fun yeah there's stuff everywhere <laughs> i can tell you put thought behind where you put your stuff it's oh it took not... me forever yeah i spent weeks just because i have a lot of artwork everywhere mm-hmm. and, and i'm grateful for it but it's all been given Piling to me up. for years, for <laughs> years and years and years. I've been the person and the home to take things. Like nobody wants to give me something. So even this artwork behind us, right here, yeah. was given to me. That was that was like it's everywhere, and mm-hmm. I love it. But at a certain point, like I don't know what to do with it. I run out of it. How do you properly put it into the right place where it looks well with your eye and mm-hmm. guests who come in? A lot of bands and artists and people come in, like yourself. Yeah. So I'm trying to. Appease everybody. Right. And it took me forever. Once I repainted the house this past year, I just the artwork was just everywhere on the ground, and I was just trying to figure out where to put it and map mm-hmm. it out. And I have such a hard time. I, I always want to be more of a minimalist. Mm-hmm. As you can see, my house is nothing like that. <laughs> and I can never get there because I have so many things that are beautiful. Mm-hmm. All this awesome artwork and different stories, a lot of family artwork, and mm-hmm. I never know what to do with it. And I love, I love having it up and telling stories about it and where it came from and who made it. And I do find beauty in that. I find it also in clothes. I, I love patterns and styles mm-hmm. and colors a lot. Mm-hmm. I even like your your onesie. What what are those called again? Or, or? Uh, it's a jumpsuit. It's my talking jumpsuit. heads jumpsuit. That's do cool. I look like I'm a member of talking you, heads? Yeah, I'd say. Thank I you. thought so. I was like, Thank you play my for talking for. heads. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's really cool. Playing one note <laughs> per song. That <laughs> 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 You love rock though, don't you? Oh, I do. Yeah. I How many it. rock bands have you been in? Or are you currently in? So, um, after I saw Aerosmith. Oh, yeah. We have right. that story. <laughs> so, you're 20 years old. That was like Tinley Park. the breaking moment of my life. Okay. Yeah, 20 years old, Tinley Park. I went with a, with a friend. Uh, I found out like the day before that Aerosmith is playing. And that was the period of my life when I was like... This okay tomorrow okay go do it and now it's like re- it would require so much planning you yeah. know but that was the period of my life when I was like okay go do this okay very spontaneous very spontaneous exactly and so I went and and saw Aerosmith and it blew my mind so hard that like ten thousand people are all in the same place having the time of their lives just having an incredible like. The energy was incredible. Steven Tyler fucking just blew my mind so hard. Like, I I have seen rock shows on video. It's not the same, man. It's just, it's not nearly the same. If you see, like, a real live rock star who can work the stage, and there's not, like, a whole lot of them. There's a good number of really, really good front men and women. But... Steven Tyler was just, I don't know, godly, you know? And that's when I realized I have to do something er- something other than classical music. Mm. 
I have to play in a band. Universe has a magical way of working around everybody. And the thoughts that, you know, I'm a firm, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a believer in uh, the law of attraction. Whatever you put out in the world is what you get. Absolutely. You know, if you have shitty thoughts, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a bunch of shit. So, yeah. Um, luckily, I, I saw Aerosmith. I had this burning passion and like this desire to play in a band. And someone reached out to me. A, f- a good someone who is now a good friend of mine, Elliot, uh, reached out to me and was like, "Hey, uh, I'm looking for a vi- we're looking for a violinist to play in this Romanian rock band called Pet Peeve." Shout out to all my pet peevers. <laughs> I don't know if this will make it, but hopefully. <laughs> um, so I started playing in a Romanian rock band and in a country cover band. Mm. And both of those things kicked my ass because a classical good girl violinist, you know, wanting to do everything right all the time, which is like ingrained into my character. It's a blessing and a curse, really. Just like perfect pitch is a blessing and a curse. Like nobody asked you for it. Why? How How do you know you have perfect pitch? I knew since I was five, somebody played a note on the piano and I was like, re. And is that D? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was a, at a summer camp, and the lady, the music teacher at the summer camp, was like, "Did you just say re?" And then she played another note, and she's like, "What is this note?" And I'm like, "La, you have perfect pitch." It's turn. It's How did you know what unusual. letter to say? What note to say? Uh, I took up solfege. When I was five, so prep uh, grade zero at my music school, mm. I started taking so violin had a little bit of experience and with, with those yeah. words. Right. And you knew how to associate them with that pitch. Yeah, the words and the pitch got the wow. immediate That's very rare, by the way. Like one in what? One in a thousand? One it's in a, very rare. I don't know. I, I don't know if I've ever of... met someone who's per- who got perfect pitch. Really? Well, you're in a world where that's more common. Right, yeah. If you're in classical music, you're going to find... If not perfect pitch, really close to it or really good right. relative pitch. Relative p- pitch, by the way, is much more useful than perfect pitch. It's so much more I'm useful. I'm assuming both would be great. But perfect pitch seems like it's annoying and it hindrance is. to your mentality. Exactly. You know, like it is to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have the ambulance passing by and you go, C-sharpie, C-sharpie, C-sharpie. <laughs> like nobody needs that. I'm, I'm much more in the world of relative pitch. It's you know, much more useful. It is very useful. I'll, when I hear a song, mm-hmm. I could usually figure out what pitch it is just by knowing how to make an A, know, knowing that my lawnmower, mm-hmm. you know, is, a, right. is an A sharp, <laughs> you know, or uh, an A flat, sorry. Very useful information. Most too. machinery is an A flat. Uh-huh. Um, HV or HVACs are usually A flats. Uh-huh. How I know this, one day I was writing a song in A flat and I was like, this is sounds awfully familiar. Everything sounds nice. <laughs> everything like the machinery sounds like it's in key. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's interesting. So, perfect pitch. Now you, well, yeah. Once you go to a rock band, perfect pitch kind of goes out the window because it's rock. Absolutely. And yeah. things are only hovering around being in key together. Right. But they're never truly in key together. Right. <laughs> and mostly due to the intonation uh, of frets. Yeah. You know, you can't on a fretless instrument. For those who, I mean, you know this, but for those listening. Having a good ear and ear training, you can find that pitch much more f- easily and fluently because you don't have a fret stopping you. 
Yeah. Whereas set frets on a guitar or electric bass, electric guitar, acoustic, keep you confined to that pitch. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to be perfect across the board from the nut to the bridge. Mm-hmm. There should be a natural slope mm-hmm. of the degrees changing of the of the frets. But they're straight. So inherently, you're going to be out of pitch in certain spots. Yeah. And because of that, over time and playing with bands, you're going to have to accept that there's going to be a weird, nuanced hovering of key. And it's never going to actually be together. Whereas you get much more continuity and control in uh, upright bass, a cello, a viola, and a violin. Yeah. With classically trained people who know how to get to that spot and know how yeah. to build up a chord on each other, you know. So yeah. Did I explain that well? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you did a great <laughs> job. Absolutely. Absolutely. I approve. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So how did that affect you having having such training and this amazing ear and brain to understand pitch? And then you go into a country cover band, yeah. and then a Romanian band, mm-hmm. Romanian rock band, Romanian yeah, Carpathian band. specifically, because mm. our singer songwriter was from the Carpathian Mountains in Romania. Sounds like uh, where Dracula's from. Uh, pretty much. He's very, <laughs> he's very Draculish. I'm just kidding. No, he's not. He's a really cool guy. Love you, Lorian. Um, so. At first, so I realized I can't improvise for shit. <laughs> that was number one realization. I'm like, what? How? Now, how is that work? possible? If you know the key, how do you not just, I'm going to bounce around all eight notes in the key to keep it simple? Right. And I, I did that. I mean, you can't. Okay, let me explain <laughs> what I mean by this. This is the very, so, very self critical classical musician in me. Like, yeah. you know, improvisation is fluid. Good improvisation. Bad improvisation is when you just play the notes because you don't know how to do it. You play, the, you hear the key, you play the notes. It doesn't sound that great because you don't have the flow. I see what you're saying. That creative flow, that yeah, in the moment it's spark. Forced. Yeah. It's forced. Yeah. Forced improvisation is shitty improvisation. Yeah. Let's be frank. I see without changing our names. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. That was good. That was good. I like that. <laughs> Love me a good pun. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, re- I realized couldn't improvise. So I listened to, but, you know, I was lucky that I was into jazz music since an, an early age. So I would listen to Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong and Liza Minnelli when I was back in Moldova. And I found it very inspirational. And so I was familiar with the sound of imp- improvisation but i couldn't replicate it so it took it just takes practice just like with everything you just have to do it stop thinking about it to all of you listeners out there seriously whatever you have been thinking about in your head (laughs) anything at all (laughs) anything at all that you've been wanting to try but for some reason haven't done it yet do it what would that be for you if you could take your own advice I periodically, believe it or not, take my own advice. Me too. And <laughs> it's good, there's, right? There's only one thing. Like, if I could take your advice, mm-hmm. it's um, I want to learn another language. And um, mm-hmm. read another language, read more, and meditate more. Those are three mm-hmm. things that I'm I'm doing those three things right now, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing the best job of them. Right. But I want to get honed in more. up the idea of doing the best job on it. Yeah. I swear to God, this yeah. is what fucked me for many years. I'm like, I if I do this, 
I have to do this correctly.、Mm-hmm. No, you don't. You just have to do it. You're right. You don't have to do it a certain way. You just have to do it. Right. It's just another. There, there are extra things to add to the, you know, plethora of other things to be doing. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I mean, you know, whenever I hear people say like, "Oh, I'm too busy for this. I'm too busy for that," I don't buy it for a second.、Mm-hmm. Because, I don't either. Yeah. If you're busy, you. Just didn't prioritize it. We all、It's、know what that means. Sim- exactly. It means, yeah, you're on this. You know, that's what that means. Yeah, too much. Exactly.、Right? Yeah, you're scrolling you know, on your phone for too long. So YouTube, instead of、Instagram, yeah, Facebook, Netflix, instead of waking up and scrolling Instagram for an hour, try spending that hour doing something else.、Mm-hmm. So I did take my own advice a couple of years ago. I Uh, instilled a regimen upon myself to wake up at six in the morning and do yoga. It was fucking fantastic. That's awesome. It was so great. That's another thing. Yoga. That's what I forgot、right. to mention. Yoga is another one.、Uh, the, I I was I have been very easy on myself with yoga. <laughs> that, this is the advice that I will take. <laughs> you know, my own advice that I will take. Yeah. Uh, I I have been planning it for too long. I'm gonna stop thinking about it and just do it because it it sucks to just think about. Do you it. still do it? No, not these days. No. Yeah. That, do you still wake up early? I wake up earlier than before. When I worked in the theater, I would wake up ten at the very earliest because I would come home at eleven, twelve. Yeah. And it would take time. You know, you、Takes、can't go. Takes time to wind down. Yeah, you can't go to bed after you play the show and had three hundred people clapping at you. Amazingly, like it. Yeah. It feels so good, and it's also very energizing, and it's、yeah. not conducive to when you're trying to go to bed. No, no. What about now? What time do you get up now? Now I get up around eight, the latest、mm-hmm. I would say, because I also do immigration law.、Mm-hmm. Right. I work in the yeah. I work in the office,、uh, doing immigration law with my husband, my parents-in-law, and my brother-in-law. We all work together. Wow. So、yeah. you pretty much work with his whole family. Yeah. Yeah. That, They're、uh, really cool people. Okay. I was gonna say like that、yeah. could be either great or awful. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah, pretty great. That's cool. That's、yeah. an interesting. How did you get from playing in the orchestra, doing theater work, to that? Like, how did that happen? Well, meeting my husband was a major thing. He also is a violinist. He played in the two bands that I mentioned、uh, before. Ah, I tell you about him. He played. Yeah,、okay. he played in Pet Peeve in the Romanian rock band, and he played in the other cover band. Is he Romanian? No, he's Chicago born and raised. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.、Um, And then he was in law school when I met him, so he was almost an attorney. And I just started. He's like, "You want to come to the office and and help me do some things?" And what am I going to say? No, of course I'm going to go help him with some things. So,、uh, I went and did some like very tedious paperwork that I enjoyed doing. Like it was weird. I was like, "Huh." That's a classical trained musician it, mindset. I think that. <laughs> Oh、my God, is. that is true.、Yeah. I never thought about it that way. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You blew my mind on multiple occasions already with the <laughs> accent thing. That is, yeah, the intimidating aspect of my persona, and then this. Yeah, it is. I think it is the classical musician in me. I in- genuinely enjoy organizing things.、Mm. Like I'm very, very good at putting shit together and getting shit done. Yeah, you know. Like if I have a bunch of files on my desk with a bunch of 
tasks to do. I want to do them ASAP. I really do not like putting things off. And I am prone to that. Like, it's a it's a part of my character to just want to be like, oh, later. But no, I force myself to do it here and here and in the now, you know? Mm-hmm. And it helps. Like, it helps so much. Even that's a practice. Absolutely, to, it is a practice. To not procrastinating and just keep the wheel spinning. Yeah, you know, exactly. I try to do that. When you when things are, when you are self-reliant for your work, such yeah. as, like, keeping it with practice. Yeah. And keeping up with anything you have to do to book shows or events and, mm-hmm. and do that part of being a musician. It helps to just have that strict regimen. Otherwise, you can kind of unwind and, right. and fall apart. Yeah. Uh, it's very different from when you go to a job and they have times right. and they have the test and they just send it, they give it to you and you just accomplish them and then you get the detach. Right. When Which it's is, all on you, it's a completely different ballgame. It's very much like having an, uh, having an orchestra job. Mm. It's very much like an office job. Interesting. You How know? so? Can you elaborate? You go to the workplace you don't choose the music you're going to play. Yeah. You are given the music that you are going to play. Yeah. You better learn it perfectly because you will get fired if you're playing in, I don't know, CSO or another major orchestra. Unless you have tenure, then it's really difficult to get fired. But if you're in the trial period, you have to stay on top of your game. Have and you ever performed in an orchestra at that level? No. Oh. No. I, I gave up that idea. Very, I gave up that idea when I saw Aerosmith. That was what I thought I needed to do just because everybody around me was doing that. And I was like, well, I guess I should get get it going on my orchestra excerpts and start practicing them. Little did I know that that's the last thing I truly wanted to do. Huh. If you start asking yourself, like really honestly, being honest with yourself, not bullshitting yourself, like all of us are so good at that. We are so good. you really trying to tell me something for no like honestly it it just comes from self-observance of years of you know like really watching like what is the thought pattern in my head right now Mm -hmm. am i just making this shit up or is this reality and majority of the stuff that we make up in in our mind we literally make up we make it up it's not real it's not real Happens every day to me, you know. <laughs> but at least if, if you're, like, able to identify that and stop it, like, you have mastered yourself. Mm. Good job. So I have been working on it very hard, uh, differentiating, you know, did I put this idea in there or was it there from somewhere else? Children are literally, like, sponges sucking up Everything that is around them, you know, adults being shitty, adults being nice. It doesn't matter. Like, all the circumstances around you as a child, the brain makes patterns using the people and the circumstances around the child. And in general, like, making patterns out of the surroundings. And then you grow up and you just repeat those patterns with new people in your life you know you have your boss who triggers a daddy issue in your mind and then you're dealing with that you instead of being here in the now you are kind of reacting on a pattern that has been there and you're not aware of it because that's you know you know how some people can be so triggering and you have no idea why yeah 
yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm just beside myself. I'm baffled at what they just said. Mm-hmm. And reality is you're most likely triggered to feel something that you felt when you were a child. And then you're left dealing with that instead of dealing with the person that was there. And mm-hmm. now, you know, I, yeah. I see it everywhere all the time. Like people getting defensive and and like so easily offended at, at things that are like, no, they're not meant to offend you. Like nobody mm-hmm. is trying to offend you. You're just, right. you know, that's why I think like an adult's primary job primary task of every adult in this society in this universe is to figure themselves out you have to figure out your patterns if you want to achieve any if you want to like not uh suffer yeah you know if you, you have to find yourself with from within first and foremost absolutely you have to know who you are yeah the best you can mm-hmm. and that's ever evolving i mean it's going to take you absolutely your lifetime to figure it out but it's it's important to try to do so. Yeah. And learn from the other people around you, kids, absolutely. adults. Absolutely. Uh, you have to. And what you're saying is absolutely correct. I, I, I try that as much as I can. You know, we're flawed. And yeah, I, ha- I have everybody. the ups and downs with that. Sure, sure. Definitely overlooking and, and overthinking things. Oh, yeah. Chronic overthinker here. Yeah, like, me I too. can overthink. Like, I, I send a text and I'm like, did I. Did yeah. I freak this person out? Yeah. Did, did I, am I okay? Like, yeah. you're okay. You're not in danger. No one, a bear is not going to come yeah. hunt you down but right now. But isn't that, do you think that's why we do that? Because there are nothing, there is nothing going on in our lives. So our anxiety <laughs> is through the, through the roof. Through the roof, right. Because there is no bear hunting you down. There is no right. tribe going after you. There is right. no one invading Moldova right. like they used to. Right, you know, exactly. So you're kind of like, well, I have to do something. That's where working out, yoga, yeah, getting like dealing with it, d- dispensing that energy, literally dealing with it physically. You know, doing yeah. something to dispense it. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, that's taking like how many people forget how to breathe? Like mm-hmm. how many people do you see sometimes who who are like just talking for thirty minutes straight on one breath? Yeah. Like how or breathing only out of their mouth? Right, right. Not their nose. Yeah, yeah. breathing is like the the probably the central most important thing to keeping your cool. Mm-hmm. Do you do anything, any breathing techniques to keep your cool? I love the um, kundalini yoga fire breath. What's that? When you pump your belly as you exhale, you do... <laughs> I'm not going to lie, the way you're looking right now, you look scary. Super intense. <laughs> With that it's pumping. Like so intense. <laughs> It's Wait, very intense. So you're breathing out and you go, <laughs> I, I, can't, I don't know if I could do that right. It's like, it's a little pump in your belly and you breathe in sharply and you exhale sharply. <laughs> and it gets even more intense. I'm if getting you'd... freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kundalini, kundalini yoga is my favorite. Okay. And yeah. you do that while you're doing different poses yeah you do you can do it in different poses it like in, intensifies the effect of a pose oh okay yeah interesting because you know contrary to what most um uh, what do i mean contrary to what most yogi and energy 
uh, workers, etc. Think about um, uh, how like humans don't have enough energy at, at our hearts. Like our hearts, if you just open your heart and all that, like I'm pretty much going to tell you straight up that that's bullshit mm-hmm. because it's not the problem that we don't have enough. The problem is not that we don't have enough energy at our hearts. The problem is that modern day society where you scroll endlessly and are constantly bombarded with advertisements at every turn you make on the street, the problem is that your energy is concentrated right here. Like majority of people live in their head. Yeah. And majority of stories we tell ourselves, as I said previously, are not true, are completely made up. So you end up putting all of your energy here around your third eye. And then what happens is that you're somewhere in La La Land, a.k.a. not in reality. So I love Kundalini um, fire breath because you get to cultivate the energy at your navel. And that is what we're missing. We're missing the balanced uh, balance, um, energy that is, that is dispersed throughout our body in a balanced way, which means we are missing energy at our navel. If all of it is here in your third eye, then none of it is down there. And then you are not a grounded human being capable of making decisions that are rational, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you're like imagining all sorts of shit, telling your, yourself stories about things that may never happen in yeah. real life. And then instead of feeling grounded and like, I've experienced this in in directed meditations. Um, I like to do... uh, I am an admirer of the Wiccan traditions, like Wicca, witchcraft, but it's not really witchcraft. um, It's just oneness with nature, if you will. You know, Um, it's, it's called the cycle like the cycle of the year or something. It, I, I don't know. I do it in Russian. It's called Kalisogoda, which is like the wheel of the year or something like that. And then in the wheel is the like the solstice, the equinox, like the nature important dates on the calendar. And then so we do directed meditations with a little group um, online that I found. And um, where, was, where was it going with this? Wicca. Oh, I experienced what it means to not be here in your head in the directed meditations. Like the the deeper I breaths I took, the deeper I could sink. Like I could literally feel my sense of self going from my head, lowering, like slowly lowering throughout the meditation. And the deeper I felt myself in the body, like if if I could get to the navel point then I could literally connect to source. It was a crazy experience. How long did it take to, to do that? To get a, to cu- that? a couple of meditations. It, I definitely, like how many hours or minutes? Oh, um, well, our meditations are about 20 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And if your level of concentration is good, then you can get to the place like almost instantaneously. Mm. But so my first two meditations, my first meditation was like... Uh, very strange. I couldn't understand what am I supposed to do? Like, what What now? What am I supposed to? Am I doing this right? Like, the one question that's going to kill the vibe. Am I doing this right? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're not 
doing it wrong. You're not doing it right. You're just doing it. Yeah. And when you think from that perspective, then you can actually allow your for your energy to do what it needs to do, which it the deeper it sinks into the body, the deeper you can feel yourself. Like you can get to self by lowering the energy from your head into the lower parts of your body. Mm-hmm. So I love yoga and all that. So <laughs> What you're saying is, well, I've heard this from a lot of people, and that's right. why I've always wanted to try yoga. Um, and, and meditation I've done enough to mm-hmm. know where to go with that. I want to do it longer. Mm-hmm. You know, I always do like five, ten minutes. I want to start getting into longer durations. But yoga, yoga and Pilates are definitely on the docket for things I need to and want to and will start doing. Um, yeah, it's something I almost want to – I do so many of these things alone. That's something I want to try with somebody. You know, do it helps. The, yeah. It really helps That's if you're not alone. Because I work out alone. I mean, mm-hmm. I go on walks with friends every day, but I work out alone. I work all day alone. I listen to a lot of music alone or read alone. Mm-hmm. All these things are alone, and it's like I want to do certain things with people. I don't know why. Right. Just to have – it's like what's well, like why going on a hike with friends is fun. Right. Like you're suffering together in the heat <laughs> for five miles in the <laughs> totally. forest, you know, and it's totally. like you're just – you're sharing it together. Right. And that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Um, but that, that's very fascinating. And do you, do you have any attachment to any religion, or is this something you just do on your own separate from that type of ideology, and it's more of an inward just – Medi- like a meditative thing to just focus on yourself and maybe to suppress or diffuse, maybe not suppress, diffuse, diffuse yeah. ego, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of find yourself from within and, and be have a clearer mind. The anxiety, the frustration with, you know, yeah. I didn't play that well right. or I didn't perform that well. Remembering something from 20 years ago, yeah. you know, like the one note I messed up <laughs> on stage in front of 100 people. Nobody remembers this but you. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Uh, we it, are very hard on ourselves. Very. All humans are. Yeah. You know. And, and I think there is a way to work with that instead of letting it destroy you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily believe in the, you should stop being hard on yourself. No, don't stop being hard on yourself, but also don't destroy yourself with being hard on yourself. Yeah. Be hard on yourself when it's appropriate to be hard on yourself. If you're trying to accomplish something and you're like, ah, this will do then you should probably be harder on yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I very much dislike the half-assed anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot, I cannot. With the mediocrity, I just cannot. Yeah. I try not to. It happens. <laughs> where, where, I, where I am is I try not to do it, but if it does happen as an end result, I learn to accept it and try to learn to make that happen less often in the future. Exactly. You know? So you don't accept it. If you were to accept it, means you would be okay repeating that. Oh no, I, I try not to. I've made many mistakes, and I will. Everybody. I don't. I do. See, I've learned to accept the mistakes. I try right. not to ever repeat them. Always learn right. from them. Exactly, and and that's a very very healthy way, an adult way to mm-hmm. dealing. Uh, uh, with work or really with anything. I'm glad I'm an adult now. It took me a long time. (laughs) Right. I'm still learning. That's such a weird transition from like kid, teenager, college student, young adult. Mm -hmm. Then like the, well, you're in your late 20s phase. Mm -hmm. I'm in my early 30s phase. And now things Mm -hmm. are really, the expectations are very stressful now Mm -hmm. at 31, you know, because you're 28, 27. 29. 
28, yes. Sorry, 28. I forgot for a second. Right, Hold on. so we're three years apart. Uh-huh. And, I mean, that's not that much, but I don't know, something about, like, these arbitrary numbers of your 30s, right. you know, and it's just, the expectations so are weird. I, I have a question for you. Whose expectations? The ones that you put for yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. That's different. Um, I, uh-huh. um, I, obviously, there are societal ones. Yeah. Just like everyone feels them. Right. It's do you like, do you feel pressure to do societal societalized things? I don't feel it like I don't feel it at my core. I don't mm-hmm. feel it very naturally. Obviously I'm doing what I'm doing and you've you've seen my home and the way mm-hmm. I live. So it's mm-hmm. like I'm clearly not doing it fully, but I st- I'm a human being, you know, I of still course. feel it. I still have family. I still yeah. have people I care about that have things to say to me. Or a judgment or a passive aggressive statement. And Love that it. still affects you, of regardless course. of how bulletproof you can be. And I'm pretty bulletproof, to be honest, mm-hmm. when it comes to those things. Because, you, you know, when you just choose a life that's not as, a, a, you know, the, the beaten path, mm-hmm. you get a lot of scrutiny. Yeah. And I yeah, of course. for a long time. Right. You know. And you know what? The, this is fascinating. I was thinking about this last night. Um, about how... I think that being an adult in its majority is accepting the fact that you are, in fact, alone in your goals. Mm. Yeah. You have your own path and you are alone on your path. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's everything right with that. Because then you are the only person responsible for what what you do, how you do it, when you do it. You get to choose. Everything. You know? And the beauty of life is if you can, in a healthy manner, in a fun manner, in a a productive manner, share those paths, those goals with friends, family, uh, you know, a lover, a partner. Mm -hmm. That's what makes things great. It's not relying on someone else. No. It's the cherry on top, if you will. cherry on top. You know, it's not like a a must, a given. No, no, you're it's not. It's an unhealthy way to live as yeah. an adult to to, to need someone else to be there, to need that person to give you um, affirmation and, and, yeah. and always validation. Re- validation, like it's good, it's good. It's like that's what goes on when you're a kid. That's right. what your mom and dad right. and siblings are for when you're five. Uh huh. Exactly. You, know, you actually do need them. It's it's important. Right. That they're but at thirty one, the the most important things to me are people that are doing productive and, and fun and unique and, and challenging, challenging things, yeah. overcoming things, other adults, you know, and, and, and most importantly, people you're with, your, your partner, yeah. your husband, your wife, your lover, yeah. seeing them thrive and doing the, their thing and knowing that you just want to be there to, to support yeah. and not be so attached that that's all you like obsess over. Right. You know, without them, you, you can't accomplish anything. You know, it's not healthy. People find themselves in those situations. It's dangerous. Yeah. You know, it's dangerous to do it with friends. Even if you take away intimacy and romance, if you're just doing that yeah. with a friend where, like, you, you're a part of your group of friends and if they're not with you, if you're not doing something with them, then you feel like you're like you're not being successful. You feel bad. Right. It's, it's dangerous. Right. Know? It is dangerous. That is why the sooner you accept that you are alone <laughs> on your path to whatever goals you have. Yeah. And, like, I encourage everybody, please put the craziest goals in front of you. Oh my god, yeah. It's the funnest. What what's your craziest goals? So give I me, give me some of your craziest goals. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, how about this? Before yeah. you before you say mm-hmm. them, what are a few 
that were crazy maybe 10 years ago that you accomplished? And then maybe, maybe there's something you didn't, if there, was, if there was any at all. Playing any type of music other than classical. That was a goal. Oh, yeah. At the Aerosmith concert. Yeah. And you achieved that. I did. That's awesome. Sure did. Um, I loved playing in bands. I still love playing in bands. You know, COVID killed most of it. It was absolutely very sad. But except in your house, you know, you guys got to... Well, how many records did you make during COVID? We're working on three. Show up. Well, I love well, it. Well, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> of course. And you're no. in a house full of music and, M- yeah, and, and, musicians. And, and microphones and the ability to capture it all. Like, why Why not? You know what? I saw that the house next door is for sale. Are you buying it? I might. You should. I mean... You should go buy it right now. <laughs> you brought your wallet with you. <laughs> I think I did. Let me check my credit <laughs> score. And, uh, so... Um, goals. 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 I recently started making jewelry. It was my my COVID project. <gasps> yes. Really? I love jewelry. I love beauty. I love, you know, I love beautiful things. And I love creating beautiful things. Like the, the ones I'm wearing right now, mm-hmm. I made them. So from other parts, or are you talking like forging metal? I'm not forging metal. <laughs> I am a jewelry. You're not forging metal in your no, apartment? No. 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 I do. My uh, One of my closest friends, Katie, she make, She actually inspired me to pick up jewelry. because, And she doesn't even know it. Katie, you don't know this, but I love you. Um, she made this ring. It's my witchy, witchy How ring. How did she make it? She is a metalsmithing, like full on. So I could hire her to make jewelry. From scratch. Totally. Metal. From scratch metal. Wow, that's yes. cool. Yes. She's wonderful and very creative and like just so nice. And she's a, an amazing clarinet player and singer-songwriter. Like that woman is incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so she inspired me uh, to do wire working. Mm. And so I work with wire. I, I find parts that I find beautiful and I put jewelry together. Like I make the jewelry out of parts and I, I make gemstone jewelry and Swarovski crystal jewelry. So, and at first I was like, I'm not going to put pressure on myself to do anything with this. This is just my creative outlet since, you know, there was no musical creative outlet. I needed to do something with myself during COVID. So I picked that up. And, you know, everybody's like, are you going to start an Etsy store? And I'm like, probably not. Please don't don't tell me what I should do with my jewelry. Thank you very much. Um, and then the, the more jewelry I made, the more I realized that I would, in fact, like to sell it, you know. And so I started selling a little bit on Instagram. Like a friend of mine bought like 11 pairs before Christmas or something like that. And like, it's so enjoyable to me. I I love the process of creation. I see the parts, I see the stone, and like I immediately get a picture in my head. Like it's instantaneous. I know what I need to make. And until I make that piece, I can like, I don't have peace in my, in my mind. Mm. I need to get it out of my mind. To move you on. find it very therapeutic. Very therapeutic. That's cool. To the point that I can sit down at 10 p.m. and not realize at, at my jewelry stand and not realize that it's already 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like I just sit down and I start making things and like it's it's endless. I miss that feeling. I, I get it from a few things, but that's really cool. So my goal is like I started an Instagram page for my for my jewelry. It's called Oli Moli Designs. That's my brand name. That's an awesome name. <laughs> Thank you. Holy so, 
my goal, my crazy goal is to have, you know, a steady following of clientele that appreciates my aesthetic who like will come to me with particular I'm really good at seeing an outfit and like designing in my head a pair of of earrings and necklace and a bracelet mm-hmm. to go with the outfit like I see the picture in my head and that would be my goal to to have people come to me with like I need to go to this event um I I bought this dress and then I'm like on it got it I know what stone what gemstones I'm, I'm gonna use I know what metal I'm gonna use like yeah. like all of it so you've it been just getting comes to me is that something you want to get into doing being a, a smith a like, metal smithing yeah I am so pedantic when it comes to some things that I think I would not be able to half-ass it. Like, my friend, she is so serious, like, uh, about it because she's also a classically trained musician. <laughs> and she's like, she will not half-ass it. She makes awesome jewelry. And it would it would require, like, some serious training and time to yeah. put to put into it so right now my level of interest for metal smithing is not high enough for me to put the time and energy into it so, so you mostly make jewelry in what way like how do you like how did you make that no this is my wedding ring it's it's oh, a vintage right side yeah because i i play i take this off uh, when i play may i see that yeah it looks vintage this, this is mark and i got this in berlin wow that's cool yeah, it's from the 70s, uh, made in England, and the stone is aquamarine. It's beautiful. Thank you. How do you yeah, what are your I thoughts on, on diamonds? I've been having this conversation a lot more with on guys because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm at that age. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? My thoughts on diamonds, I think um, many people will not like to hear this, but I think diamonds are the most boring stone out there oh, if they're you. white. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the opposite. No. If they're like... A typical white diamond, like I'm so not interested. No, no. I'm I I am so not interested in yeah. diamonds and traditional jewelry. Right. I love what you're doing. I love when people make their own things. Right. Obviously, that's all I do. Yeah. And I admire that about people who can go above and beyond that. What like that that idea of what's pushed on you by these jewelry these. These jewelry stores, these sales yeah, and right. you know, diamonds are forever, you know. Uh, but I, guess what? Other stones are forever too if well, you take care of them. Well, like, nothing is forever, um, which would be my jewelry store slogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, yeah, it's so true. Nothing is Nothing's forever. Nothing's forever, so spend 50 bucks here, please. Yeah. Um, I just can't get behind it, the price of it. What it represents to me personally is a man or a woman what it represents me is first and foremost as a person who isn't passionate enough or creative enough to conjure up a better concept of their love for someone. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole secondary thing of like these poor kids mm-hmm. mining it in Africa and God only knows what they go through to give you give you that diamond that they get nothing for and then you spend $10,000 on it. Right. Um, yeah, the trading of the whole thing is completely unfair. It, it's But what it represents to me is the opposite of of love you know mm-hmm. and it's it's not even coming from a place of like how do i afford that it's like i have i could sell stuff and go buy it i could right. sell guitars and go buy these right these of diamonds. course yeah it's not about that it what does that mean to that person i i rather you know 
design something or find parts and create it and maybe pay like a friend, like yeah. you know, your friend to, to yeah. make it. Just things like that, like a custom Absolutely. thing, something that is more meaningful, maybe has a really fun personal quote on the inside, like just anything, but I went to the store, picked out the diamond and like by the way, the man spent a fortune on it. And yeah. what did the woman do? Because if we're gonna play that game, yeah, oh yeah, she clearly owes the oh, man yeah. now something, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. why? Why does he have to do that and she doesn't? If right. we're equal, which we are, I believe, right? Then why is it unbalanced in the whole part of the engagement? Well, the woman is expected to like serve him for the rest of her life, well, right? Supposedly, that's the thing. Was like not anymore. You're not yet. Yeah, it's still expected for the man to do that act, mm-hmm. which I is do strange. think it's expected less though of the men to do that. I, I don't know anybody who hasn't done it. Do they, you know a woman who's in, proposed to a man? I don't know anybody. I do. I know two. Two women who proposed to their men. So you know two. Mm-hmm. I know none. Mm-hmm. Let's think about those numbers. Yeah. <laughs> That's not yeah, a good no, stat. No, no. Of you know? course not. Of course not. That's like, it's one in a thousand. It's not a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I It's it's something I battle with that all the time. It, it's hard to talk about it with some people. Some people get very upset or offended or God, weirded Jesus. out by it. I'm this just is like, what I'm talking about. Like, it's not about you. Stop taking things personally. Well, it's a, th- no it's a conversation that you. should be had. Yeah. Because it, it represents something. If you're the one spending that time and money on the ring and then getting on your knee and doing that act, mm-hmm. like, what is the other person doing? If it's supposed to be a partnership where you mm-hmm. split things, you figure out life together, you're a team, then why is that Automatically starting off, like not balanced. So in the good olden days, <laughs> you would get a ring and go ask for the girl's, the woman's hand from her father. Yeah, so it's like you're yeah. you're buying property almost, mm-hmm. right? Almost like let's be real. It's That's what it it's feels just like. like that. Yeah. It's just like that. And then, but now. You don't start off with that. You don't start off with a marriage proposal. You can live with someone for 10 years, 20 years, and never get married, and it's okay. Um, but I do think the expectation, what what you're saying makes sense, that there's still the expectation from from men to get the big ring and whatever, like the, uh, your your success measures to the size of the diamond. Like, that's horse shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what matters is talking to your partner and figuring out what she wants and letting her know what you want. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Mark and I went to the store and bought this ring together to commemorate our trip to Berlin. My sister was there. She was, like, part of the process. It was the cutest thing. Mm -hmm. Like, the ring is meaningful because someone wore it before me. I love to make up stories in my mind about, (laughs) like, the woman who wore it before me. Like, what was she like? What was she wearing? Did a man give her this ring? Did her daddy buy her this ring? Like, it... There's so much creativity to mm-hmm. to uh, to have around this subject. I think people can just drop the formalities, you mm-hmm. know. Or if you like the formalities, like do the formalities, you know, just like with makeup and hair. Like if you feel better about yourself by doing makeup and hair, like do it. Don't listen to mm-hmm. somebody telling you that you are, uh, that you should look uh that you should love yourself, not should love yourself, but that you should be okay only with the way you look and do nothing to yourself. Mm-hmm. You should be able to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. 
And that includes, you know, if you want to give your woman a $50,000 ring, like, go fucking do it. And if you don't (laughs) want to, don't fucking do it. It's like, it's it's pretty simple in my mind. It it is. I just, I want to know what people feel, like, at their core about it. Like, if you want there to be, if if we want equality. Mm Mm-hmm. Then there needs to be more of that discussion of that expectation of like, well, then why is, why does the man have to spend all this money? You don't why, have to. Has, but they feel so obligated to. But you don't have to. <sighs> yeah, until a lot of women get bent out of shape about it. Well, then you're probably Maybe you with wouldn't. the wrong woman. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. But not if that's what you feel like you should be doing and that's right. what she says, like, I want a big diamond or I want, you know, I want to be like this or that. Not well, everyone me, is like that. Let me ask you, does does your woman demand a huge diamond? Because <laughs> that's like the, the single uh. and most important question that we're arriving to. Is your partner, be honest, Ben, come on, you can do this. I can't believe this is happening right now. <laughs> is she demanding? All right, first I of all, it. no one's my woman because I don't own anybody. Right, your part. You. <laughs> With your accent and you okay. saying that, it was too good. Is she your property? You know, it was perfect. Uh no, no, I don't. I don't believe so in any stretch of the imagination. There you go. Yeah, then sounds like you're with the right lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't see any problem here. You're like men are expected I'm, to buy diamonds. I'm no, speaking from the perspective of other men I know. Right. I would personally never buy someone a diamond, and it's yeah. not a financial thing. I mean, it is, but it's not. Right. Because there's always a way to do it. Mm-hmm. There's financing. There's always something. It's what it represents. It's the principle of it. To me, right. love is so much more than that, than a, a you know, millions of years of compressed organic material that created that structure. You know, right? That it's which is incredible, by the way. Can but, we just? But can we everything just appreciate is that though, that? because the tree is equally as beautiful as that. Because the yes, tree is that diamond. Absolutely. You know, we are that diamond. Oh Any my organic God. material. I have a proposal idea for you, Ben. What's that? You should find a tree in a forest. <laughs> And, like, talk to the park management or the forest management and, like, buy the rights to that tree. And that be your proposal. Like, your proposal gift for your partner. Oh, it's my fucking God. brilliant. You're killing me. <laughs> You're killing me. Killing uh, me, Smalls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's nothing worse than having those types of conversations with someone that's not in that situation yet. You know, like, not... And you're just... It's being recorded and filmed. <laughs> Nothing I can do about it. And I will go you, by my promise if I don't edit. I don't edit this podcast. So it is what it is. You don't edit this oh, podcast? Oh, no, no. Holy shit. No, I'm transparent <laughs> with all my intention. Okay. This is a conversation people need to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fun, though. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't edit this. Your face shades so fast. You've been like, I'm going to say whatever I want. And he'll just take it out. Uh-uh. <laughs> Freedom of speech and expression. That's why I love America. That is a pro. I'll tell you that. I would like y- to go on record by saying. You actually know that well. For com- real. I coming do. from a communist country. I do. That I have to say this. Yeah. That, you know, last year, last year was so fucked up from like so many, so many angles, like BLM protests, which is not a problem that surfaced. If you think that this problem just surfaced now, like, check your head. 
Um, and then COVID and like everything, no live music, no performances, no art, no food for soul. And like we are starved, starved to see art and to make art and to to communicate with people. And um, I didn't, I lost my thought. <laughs> I was like, that was such an and, epic uh, political. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Political. Thank you. Communist. America. With all its faults, is still the best place to live on this planet. Wait, I will say this. Say it again. America, with all its faults. <laughs> you're going to edit this, aren't no, you? No, not. No, okay. <laughs> with all its faults, America is still the best place to live on the planet. I sincerely believe that. Go into more depth because you came from a country that does not have all the same rights we have here. No, most so, certainly not. So, and you're a white woman, you're a Caucasian woman from Eastern Europe. Right. And so it it always really does matter where you are on this planet where you're coming Absolutely. from, you know. So, what does that mean to you? Can you can you elaborate more on that? Where I come from, there is a lot of nepotism. Lots. Nepotism, corruption which go hand in hand. Um pretty much decide the course of everything in in Moldova and the rest of Eastern Europe and some Central Europe too, like Serbia, Bulgaria, all of that is pretty much might as well be Eastern European, Central yeah. Europe. And um, in America, you cannot buy yourself out of a lot of things that you can easily buy yourself out of in Moldova. Mm-hmm. And I feel like also you can achieve a lot more like merit merit based things in America not not as much I mean a lot more than in Moldova like you can be the best at doing something in Moldova and if like you don't have the right connections you will not get anywhere ever because especially if you like made enemies with someone in your industry like forget about it but here you can you can work hard in the United States and literally achieve whatever the fuck you want it's amazing. Amazing. Like, I know that if I stopped, I dropped everything and, like, I focused on my jewelry business, hired the, the right people to do the marketing, etc., etc., hired help, I would be successful. Like, that crosses my mind, you know? I know that, that, I know that that's possible. In Moldova, not necessarily possible because, you know, the economy is shit, etc., etc., nepotism, corruption. And here, if you work hard and you put your mind where your mouth is and put your money where your mouth is, you can literally be anyone you want. It's wonderful. And what about freedom of speech there? Freedom of speech. Oh, my God. So I come from a Russian family, Russian-speaking family in Moldova. And I I had very different views when I lived in Moldova, like my views changed drastically throughout the years. Um, I, there's, I won't hide anything from you. I, I was, I was pretty much a bigot when I came here. I come from the Orthodox Church. I sing, I sang in the choir, Orthodox Church choir, for many years, and I had very strong anti-LGBT beliefs. Um, 
I think most people are naturally and unconsciously racist where I come from, just because we're not exposed to anybody other than our culture, like only what you see in TV. And the TV, unfortunately, doesn't do a very good job, like with inclusion and with fair representation of every nation. Like, the African-American is going to be a villain, the Asian is going to be the smart guy, and whatever. Like, the stupid stereotypes that give people the the, the uh, kick to a kind of the permission to be a racist fuck. Yeah. You know? Like, it's, it's not great, <laughs> but... Um... Here, you can say so many things and not be shot or put to jail, like thrown into jail. In Russia, where my parents are living currently, people are going to jail because of tweets. Like, I don't know if you're familiar familiar with Alexei Navalny, who is Putin's main opposition. Um, yeah, he, he was poisoned using a... a uh, chemical poison that was like prohibited by the world uh, I don't know what it's called peace convention or something like the, Geneva convention uh, right yeah it was forbidden like it's a forbidden substance mm-hmm. in the world and the Russian government it feels empowered to do shit like this to poison opposition and not only that but like imagine imagine Trump being so upset in uh, before Biden was elected, that Biden was running, that he would call he would call the Senate and the Congress, and he would tell everybody, like, listen, what do we do about this Biden guy? Because I don't like, sure don't like him running against me. What do we do about him? Pretty hard to imagine, right? Mm-hmm. This is what happens daily in Russia. Government gets away with incredible crimes crimes against their own people and the russian people as wonderful as they are as as ready as they are as ready they are to bow down to authorities like it's it's painful to admit you know that russians are ready to bow down to authorities like if somebody showcases their power and and like i don't know is trying to act macho like putin is you know you see him shirtless on a riding a horse or like those pictures with him shirtless next to a bear or whatever like Mm -hmm. people are like that's brilliant marketing have you been there to russia oh yeah multiple times yeah yeah what is it about the russian people that did they have a say in all of this? Like, why is this so oh, loud? Because yeah. there's so many people there. Rights are taken away as we speak. Like, and what do you think it is if you can get into the mind of someone like Putin? Like, why? Why would one want to? Why would someone want to do that to their people? I don't think he thinks that way. No, he clearly doesn't. No, he doesn't. But I think he's a sociopath. Yeah. Anybody on that level is a sociopath. There's a fascinating documentary on on YouTube made by Navalny's team, like the opposition's team on documentary on Putin's castle, like his secret castle that he has been building for like, I don't know, 10 years, 10 some years. Um, Huge, huge castle with like a winery next to it, like an entire city all to himself. He's building this thing like, okay, you know, I have nothing against any endeavors that a person may have. 
But if you are fucking other people, not literally, <laughs> but if you are destroying other people's lives and stealing from your own people and doing all sorts of crimes, committing all sorts of crimes to get there, then fuck you. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And this is what he is doing. Yeah. He he has been actively destroying his opposition. The guy's in the hospital still, like, not in the hospital. He's in jail now. He, <laughs> the opposition, who um, Alexei Navalny, Why who was poisoned, he went to Germany for treatment. They transport. He was in a coma, by the way, for a couple of months after he was poisoned. Nobody knew if he was going to wake up or not. And then he came back to Russia. He returned to Russia, which was, you know, everybody was saying, like, a lot of people were saying that that's a really dumb thing to do, to return to Russia, to mm -hmm. the place where you were almost killed multiple times. This was not the first time that they tried to kill him. And um, he went back, and they got him at the airport. They got him at the airport, and they jailed him. Putin is scared shitless of him. Why did they jail him, though? What was the reasoning? Well, it's some bullshit reason for oh, made it up. by yeah, it it was completely made up. It was like he didn't he was in Germany he was in coma in Germany. He was in Germany and he didn't go to court to do some paperwork. Like that that the time that he was supposed to do it. He was supposed to like check in yeah. with the court at, for some bullshit uh, case that they made up against him years ago that was deemed um a, f a phony case by the European Court Supreme Court of Law. Mm -hmm. um, yet, you know, he's jailed, yeah, and he's gonna be in jail for a while, and and that's the the lack of freedom of speech that we're talking about. Like yeah, people that's are extreme. thrown into jail for saying shit. Like I can go on the street right now and say whatever the fuck I want, and I will be fine. You could literally say whatever you want. Yeah, like, yeah. As long as you're not inciting violence, you can really yeah. literally say yeah. whatever you want. And even if I was a racist fuck who goes on the street and, like, s screams racial slurs and whatever, maximum that will happen to me will be, like, what? Nothing, actually. Exactly. Nothing. Exactly. You'd have to incite violence. Otherwise, yeah, nothing will happen. You could right. say whatever you want yeah. over and over again, yeah. and nothing will happen. It is equally... A wonderful and beautiful thing as it is equally a dangerous thing. Yes, it it's is. It's that balance. Sure is. You, know, you could say some pretty heinous things and nothing will happen. But yeah. on the other side of that, we can do what we're doing right now. Like you can talk about Russia and Putin and right. nothing will happen to you. Thank God. I don't live in Russia. Thank God. You, We would. We could not have this podcast in no, Russia. No, we could not. No. Literally, I'd be in trouble. you or I, <laughs> I said some things that I'd get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah. Both both you and I would be in a lot of trouble if yeah. we said any, any of these things in Russia. Absolutely. Openly anti-Putin. You better have a one-way ticket. Not out, a fan of Putin. Out of there. Sorry, Putin. Not a fan. So in, I'm sure he's very upset to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Russia's hand has infiltrated Moldova for a long time. 1812. That's when it started. So 209 years, it's been a problem. Good math. Uh, you know, Jesus. it happens. <laughs> and uh, that's intense. And you grew up with that. Yeah. Hanging over you. So and I'm women not having much of a say where you grew up as far as their future, their rights, their, right. their beliefs, you know. Yeah. Not much. Not much. Not much of that. And you felt, did you, when did you realize that as a young girl, like... Seventh grade, I knew I needed to get out. It's 12 years old. Yeah. Is that what grade you are? Yeah. There? Okay. 
Yeah. So 12 years old. You, 12, 13, I already knew I'm leaving. You I just have to leave. are becoming a young woman, mm-hmm. you know, going through puberty. Mm-hmm. So you start to think and feel different. You start to really take in more of the world, you know. That's probably when you're just like, what is going on here? Yeah, I need to get the hell out of here. Where did that come from? Did Were other girls at your age thinking and feeling the same thing? Did you have this no, conversation? No, actually my classmates were not thinking about it yet. I was thinking about it before anybody else that I knew around me. I knew I needed to get out. So I grew up in Moldova, but my, my uh, grandfather on my dad's side lives in Russia. And I knew I could get citizenship through him through him to go to Russia. Thank God I didn't do that because I, you would be, we would never meet. Yeah, <laughs> but right. you, I would also be a very different person. I would probably further my pro-communist uh, bigot views. Yeah, we, we never touched on that. You said that when you were there, you were in the church. Mm-hmm. And then when you came to America at 18 for college, why why choose Chicago and, and Roosevelt to begin with? I um, was looking for schools in many different cities, and I applied to Boston Conservatory, San Francisco Conservatory, uh, Brooklyn College or something like that. And then Roosevelt was actually the only one that gave me a full ride. Okay. So I was very fortunate. (laughs) I was like, hell yeah, I'm taking this. Yeah. And so I came to Chicago, best city in the world. You like it? It's the best. It's great, Honestly, right? it's the best. I, I've been to so many cities. I hate New York. Really? I hate New York with a passion. <laughs> like, it's the noisiest, smelliest <laughs> piece of junk there is in the United States. Oh. oh, it stinks. It smells so bad. And, like, there's no alleys. The trash is everywhere. It's, like, it's it's painful. How much experience do you have in New York? You sound very upset. <laughs> I'm very upset. Uh, yeah. I went to New York, I don't know, maybe 10 times, five of those f- to see friends and five to uh, for gigs, for work. That is so funny. I did some of the coolest work-related things in New York. Like, I recorded a Grammy-winning album with PJ Morton, uh, with, my, um, with my friend Matt Jones, who is an arranger, by the way, he's a very, very good musician and, like, very inspiring. He inspired me to start doing my own arrangements and and such. And uh, so the project you recorded for me, like, very heavily inspired by my friend. Okay. So shout out to Matt Jones. So do you, did you get, you don't get a Grammy for that, do you? Well, not at the statue thing, but I have two Grammy certificates. I have three, wow. three Grammys. Uh, t- from recording with Kirk Franklin, and, uh, the gospel artist, amazing guy, like just unbelievable energy. Like his energy is probably the energy you feel from like fifty people mm. in the room. Yeah. But he's just one guy. I don't know how he does it, but he's incredible, Kirk wow. Franklin. Well, that's and amazing. Then, she have three Grammys. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. Uh, very, very fortunate. I also did a Tiny Desk concert with PJ Morton. And that was and by on, far... On, on, on NPR? Yeah. Like, I can look it up right now. You can look it up right now. I'm going to look it up while Absolutely. you say that. It was the coolest thing I did <laughs> musically. I played Kennedy Center in D.C. What would it be called? Tiny Desk what? Uh, PJ Morton. Tiny Desk. Um, we did three songs. It was the best time. 
the video would turn out great. Is that you? Yep, that's me right you. there. 1.6 million views. Yeah, pretty good, huh? Wow, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, it's a pretty great I video. I see you. You're famous. I didn't know I was hanging out with someone who's famous. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Right here. That's you? Yeah. They will show me. The, with the glasses? Yeah, with the glasses. Oh, oh my God. That's I wear amazing. contacts most of the time, but I, I slept cool. like one hour. What happened was I went to Florida to play with the symphony down there. Mm -hmm. And my friend called me on the phone while I was like waiting to board my flight back to Chicago. Matt Jones called me and he's like, do you want to go to D.C. and do a tiny desk? I'm like, yes, please. What am I a fool to say no to yeah. that? I would be an idiot to yeah. say no. I was like, you don't even need to pay me. I am going. I'm going. You hear me? So I come back to Chicago. And that same night, we uh, he rented a, a, like an SUV, a big SUV. And the whole string group that you see in the video boarded that freaking car. And we drove to Washington, D.C. overnight. And that's the following awesome. morning, we played at NPR. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty... It was red. That's really cool. Yeah. So, NPR, all these performances, all these people, three Grammys. Yeah. That's pretty impressive by 28, huh? Thank you very much, yeah. All I'm, right. I'm pretty proud of that's, what I've done. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. It, I, I was very, very fortunate to meet... All these musicians. And, like, this comes from school. Matt Jones met someone at Roosevelt. He hooked him up with all of us at, at, yeah. at Roosevelt. And yeah. then, like, Matt put together this amazing group of musicians, you know, multiracial um, group of amazing, amazing string players who, like, you know how our gigs go. We come to the studio, 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. recording session, and we sight-read the shit on the spot. And, like, it has to be good. <laughs> yeah. You know? So he has, he works with the kind of people who can sight-read. And you'll hear, like, he writes some pretty incredibly elaborate passages. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not something that anybody can sight-read. Mm -hmm. he, he makes sure to work with people who are up to his level. Aren't you glad you started playing violin at five? Oh, absolutely. Because you wouldn't have had any of these things. Absolutely. Isn't that crazy how that That's works? That's why I said in the beginning, remember that like I I see the value mm -hmm. uh, in, in the craziness. Yeah. You know, like not not a whole lot of people. Full circle, going back to, you know, me looking out the window, crying. <laughs> so depressing. <laughs> so depressing. It sounds depressing, but none of those kids actually did anything serious. Like they... I think two of them are like, I don't know, this will sound horrible probably for some people, but two of those girls are like working as cashiers or something. Two of those boys working uh, from the playground. I'm talking about my pl my playground. Kids mm. my age. Like I was the only one who got out of Moldova and did something. Yeah. Wow. You know, that's, and there's nothing powerful. wrong with working a cashier. I want to go on record saying <laughs> yeah. that. But like there I, is, I see your point. I there see is value. Saying. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And I don't relate in the sense of I'm not from a foreign country with that type of upbringing and that type of extreme um, situation and circumstances. But I, I get it as far as just like that grind and putting forth a lot of effort. And you're, you're, I missed a lot of stuff doing my own grind, a lot of stuff. 
Um, and now I'm almost like making up for that time now that I have the time, a little bit more time, and, and I found myself in very fun circumstances. Um, even like recording you in the backyard and in the mm-hmm. basement and future endeavors, like they're very, it's very unique and fun and rare circumstances that yeah. I find myself in. And it's just from saying yes to everything and putting in that time and oh, yeah. just just doing all that work to where someone trusts you to do, do it. Do you know? know the movie Yes Man? Yeah. Oh my God, I just yeah. watched it like a week ago or or less. It's it's such a corny phrase, but it's so true. It is it's true. It's so true. It's so true. You never know what doors it'll open. You're and it, it opens really up the know. doors. And guess what? If you don't actually like what's on the other side, you just, you don't have to do it. But at least you now know. You now know. I will tell you the primary difference between your people and my people. Who's my people? I don't oh, have any people. What, what, you know what I'm saying? For the sake of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sh- Americans versus right. Moldovians. Americans versus Eastern Europeans. Americans know, most of them, that they have a choice in general, like in life. Yeah. You have choices. In Eastern Europe, there are very, very, very few people who understand the concept of choice. Having a choice. You can choose not to be mean. You can choose um, to do something to make yourself feel better if you feel bad. You don't have to suffer. But suffering is so deeply ingrained in our DNA, in the DNA of Eastern Europeans. Well, that comes from the Bible, right? Like, your kingdom is not now. Your kingdom is in the kingdom of... Your time is not now. Your time is in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Means that, you know... The more you suffer here, the more you will be rewarded in your mm-hmm. future life. That is a crock of shit. Absolutely. Oh my god. Thank you for saying it. <laughs> I agree. Oh. When That's I realize people tell themselves that, who are just always suffering. Right. And it's it is a mentality. It's sad. You don't get yourself out of something. Absolutely. It is a mentality. You ingrain that in yourself and that's what you end up believing. It's that little pattern that your brain learned. And it repeats it over and mm-hmm. over, using different people, different places, over and over. Putting yourself in a feeling of danger. Your anxiety is lying to you most of the times. Your anxiety is lying to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it, it's impressive where you came from and how you're here. Yeah, And those absolutely. achievements, you know, that's amazing. And we never even touched on... Your past goals you had, but what were your future? What are some of your future goals? Because so, you've you've accomplished so much now. What's you're only twenty eight? Yeah. And what's next? What are some other goals? If you were in Eastern Europe, you would say you're already twenty eight. Not only twenty eight. Oh no, <laughs> only twenty eight. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm of the same uh, mentality. I love arranging, and I love the the brain activity that comes with it, you know, like I feel like I'm doing such a um, unique mathematical yet creative task when I write a score. It's it like it sucks me in, you know, I listen to the song and just like with um, uh, seeing an outfit and imagining the jewelry to go with it exactly the way I see it. Mm-hmm. I, I hear the strings that are supposed to be in a song that are not there yet. Mm-hmm. So I would love in the future to be hired more as an arranger 
and music direct music director would is my ideal job because just my character is very managerial you know like i have very strong feelings about how things should be done in music and like the things that i'm really good at i have very strong feelings about like if you're recording a string arrangement i know how it's supposed to sound and like i will not back down mm-hmm. until my quality is achieved you know this yeah. already oh yeah, my god absolutely. yeah blessing and a curse but uh i i cannot run away from the side of me i would be cheating myself if i told myself oh this is okay or that's okay like this 80% out of 100 is okay no it's not okay for me so i'm probably someone who is tough to work with um i'm um not i'm not always valuing like the the like hippy dippy like attitudes towards music like i don't always appreciate that i think there's room for that i think there's specific de- specifically designated times for that like if you are doing songwriting then please don't put any rules upon yourself mm-hmm. that would not help right Mm-mm. you as a songwriter would concur yeah yeah but then if you're trying to record something and you have something in mind like i'm someone who needs to get the thing out of my mind to move on mm-hmm. you know Yeah. So my goal my my goals in the future would be to direct projects, to write arrangements and to continue work with working with amazing musicians which I have had great luck meeting some amazing amazing musicians. Not luck, preparation, meeting opportunity. Yeah. That's that's yeah. that's what luck is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What is luck to me? Mm-hmm. Is that we all exist. That's luck. And everything beyond that is anything you can do to take the most from that opportunity good or bad but to just be here is luck and that's the only thing i think is lucky right. in this life right it is um a diminishing quality to tell yourself or to have others tell you that like oh you're lucky you did this and that's like maybe or maybe i just worked so hard for yeah. it that someone noticed it is true you know? that i worked very hard yeah. to be at the level that i Even am what you said Yeah. You're the only one from that playground who made yeah. it here. That's huge. It's true. It's no. true. You know, I, I, so, of course, everybody like gets to a point of like, um, in your self analysis, you may get some feelings of resentment of like how, wh- how your parents did you wrong, etc. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, my dad was blah 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 blah, and my mom was blah 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 blah, and then in the And at some point of my self-analysis, of course, I succumb to those feelings. And it's okay, by the way, <laughs> to everybody listening, it's okay if you feel feelings of resentment towards your parents. But no, 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 that... No. Yeah, <laughs> not no, yes and no. But no, that you as an adult, you as an adult are not the same as you as a child. What do I mean by that is that you as a child didn't have a choice. You had to follow your parents' rules. You had to follow the bedtime. You had to do your homework, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. You as an adult, you don't have to do anything. Mm-mm. You don't have to buy that diamond. You <laughs> <laughs> Here we go with the diamond. <laughs> Sorry, then I had to. No, you I, set love it. It up. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you don't have to practice your violin. You don't have to get good at anything. The beauty of what all of this is that 
you reap what you saw as an adult. You face the implications. You face the consequences. And you also face the rewards if you work really hard. Mm -hmm. And in America, if you work really hard, like, there's no excuse for anybody here in a big city to be a bigot or to be a lazy bum. Mm -hmm. I think that. Because the opportunity is overflowing. Like, if you think there's no opportunity here, you clearly have never been anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. But I just don't know. Like... I know so many people, including myself in the past, who are just so professional at making excuses about everything. But I didn't have time. But I was busy. But I was tired. Then prioritize things differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so living here, living in Chicago, I can only speak for Chicago because I've only lived in Chicago in the United States. Maybe that's why you think it's the best city, because it's only when you've lived it. I've been to other cities. I've visited many cities. Mm -hmm. I, I, went, I went all over the Midwest. I love Madison, by the way. Madison, Wisconsin. Mm. If I could live in another city, it's probably it would probably be there. Or Portland, Oregon. I love Portland. What makes you love Chicago so much? The um, It's like New York without the shittiness. <laughs> Can you elaborate on that? <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry, New Yorkers, if there are any New Yorkers no, I'm, I'm listening. I'm loving it. This is hilarious. Oh. And I know enough New Yorkers. Chicago. This is just funny to me. <laughs> Chicago is not overpopulated. That is true. Number I mean, one. it's relative to what? I mean, it is pretty darn populated. Like, think about yeah. how long it took you to get here. I'm not that far. Right. You're not that far. But and if, if I was coming from Pilsen, if I knew how to drive, I would drive. You don't know how to drive? I don't know how to drive. I'm a freaking European. Do you want me to teach you? It's Probably. Yeah. After I buy that house next door. Yeah, buy the house next door. Yeah. Drive. <laughs> right. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Um, where were we? <laughs> oh, why Chicago? Oh, like, oh, why Chicago? No, Pilsen. You said if you knew how to drive. If there was no traffic and you knew how to drive and you live in Pilsen. 25 minutes. I mean, I've done yeah. it faster, but, you know, no one needs to know that. <laughs> I've gotten Clearly, home. But you don't edit this podcast. No, do I don't. You? But I will tell, I mean, my friends know. I I, yeah. I have a lead foot. And I know the city well. And I know, I mean, I've been here my whole life. And I know the timing of stuff. And if you yeah. leave, you know, Logan Square, Bucktown, Wicker Park, late at night on a weekday and there's no traffic, you can get home in 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, right. it's not that far. Mm -mm. It's the traffic. So it is heavily populated relative to. L.A. and New York, it's not. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because you know, those are really popular. But we have the same opportunities as New York, L.A., or any other big city. Depends on the industry. Depends on the industry, sure. Acting, there are some theater in Chicago, but behind New York and L.A., it's not the best for acting, you know? Right. It's great but for music. But also, the markets are so oversaturated with yes. great performers. It becomes relative, yeah. I think being in a city like Chicago, you would have a huge advantage if you're really good at what you do. Mm -hmm. Music is phenomenal here. Yeah. I've looked at, yeah. been to other cities as well. Mm -hmm. And based on the location of Chicago, its population, the layout, and the musical scene and its history, and the universities and the colleges that bring in fresh artists and musicians every year, it is... It is one of the best places in the world for music, by far. Yeah, absolutely. You have the major airports. Mm -hmm. You have all the major highways throughout the whole country mm -hmm. coming through. Mm -hmm. You have these major universities, again, bringing in people. Mm -hmm. You have major institutions, museums, mm -hmm. galleries, 
um, famous for art and architecture, famous for music. The independent scene, the indie scene, the the DIY scene is extravagant. I've looked at yeah. other, I've Googled DIY scenes, or I've looked up on Facebook groups DIY scenes, and mm-hmm. the Chicago has the biggest members of the Chicago DIY scene. I think it's like, like twenty two thousand members. Other major cities only seen three, four, five thousand. Yeah. So Chicago's is the most vast one. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just it's different. It's different. I mean. New York, LA, Portland, Seattle, Dallas, Fort Worth, mm-hmm. Atlanta, Chicago, those they all have great music Nashville, great yeah, music Nashville, scenes. Yeah. But it's it's very eclectic here. You yeah. don't just think of one, you know, when you think of New York, you might think of like the underground, like new wave scene. <laughs> you know, Portland might think of like hipster indie rock scene. Right, right, or Seattle. Right. Uh-huh. LA you might think of like LA music, like extravagant electronic mm-hmm. house, uh Art rock, rock and roll, Dallas Fort Worth. You might think of that that twang, you know that that folk, that uh, that rock music. Mm-hmm. And same with Nashville. Yeah. But Chicago people think blues and jazz is too traditional. That's way too old school. That's what it oh, was. Absolutely. That's what founded it, right? You're right. But now it's just everything. I mean, the CSO, it is everything. The, the symphony orchestra here, truly. The the operas. Yeah. The all the venues. Yeah. I've been and performed in most of them. And there's venues like no other everywhere. Yeah. And the music scene is just it's over the top. It's extravagant. It's amazing. It's what's allowed me to flourish so well with, with What's your you know, favorite music venue in Chicago? My favorite one that I think sounds is it am I doing it based on engineer? Like how's it sound or to perform at or how about one as a performer and the other as an engineer? As an engineer I would probably say I like Lincoln Hall the most. Lincoln Hall, yeah. Mm-hmm. As a performer, I'm more of small, small things. I really love performing at the Empty Bottle. Mm-hmm. Empty Bottle is probably one of the worst would sound because of the <laughs> shape, the layout. You have the band, right. you have the stage in the corner. Mm-hmm. Very funky layout. Right. But as far as performing, it's very legendary. It's like a rite of passage if mm-hmm. you're in a band in Chicago. Beautiful area, Ukrainian village. And just, yeah, legendary venue. I've seen some of my favorite musicians of all time on that stage. And then to play it, it's been amazing. But sound-wise, Lincoln Hall is phenomenal with how it sounds. Yeah. It's just stunning. What do you think about Talia Hall? And now, is it Talia Hall or Thalia Hall? Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love Talia Hall. I call it yeah. Thalia Hall. I, now you got me stuck. I call it Thalia Hall. I love Thalia Hall. It sounds great, too, but it's just on the brink of size not matching up with acoustic space. Mm-hmm. There becomes a point where if you're doing reinforcement, sound reinforcement with mm-hmm. PA systems, line array, subwoofers, too big becomes a problem because mm-hmm. of acoustic uh, reflections and delays in sound because of distance. Right. So if you're doing it for theatrical purposes like operatic things and orchestral pieces, that's great because mm-hmm. then you can fill up that space and you don't have all that acu- or sonic reinforcement from PA systems building up a lot of energy in the room mm-hmm. it naturally disperses out and you know that mm-hmm. with your performancing performances but smaller and more uniform in shape not wide but more narrow as far as a rectangle is considered and can, if you could fill it up with bodies that's like the best place to be so like a Shuba's Lincoln Hall type of thing is great um, a subterranean upstairs is kind of a nice one when it comes to that or well, I played subterranean with pet peeve mm. Yeah, it's cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. The most important thing is filling the spot, not right. for 
the the ego of like, oh, this is a sold out show. It's acoustically, it's better to have human bodies. Human bodies are the best sound absorbers by far. Yeah. We're all a bunch of weird shapes. Yeah. We have a lot of soft <laughs> material that we're made of and on us. Right. So we absorb sound. We diffuse sound. Only low frequencies can diffract around us. <clears throat> and we all have different heights and depths, which is the best for sound mm-hmm. dispersion and, 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 and diffusion. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's so bodies. So yeah. you want that in a space. You play in an empty venue, it sounds awful. And it's just so like playing into, into a Zoom camera is fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. My God. Oh, boy. That sounds terrible. Yeah, I did one of those last year. It was like the saddest performance of my life. You sound sad. <laughs> your body. <laughs> right. <Just laughs> it brought like, you back. Right. It really did. What has been your favorite venue to perform in? In the world. In the world. In the world. Okay. Bucharest. Asenium Roman. Roman Athenium. It's like this gorgeous concert hall. And I played this uh, played there with my Moldovan youth orchestra. Where is it at? Uh, it's in Bucharest in Romania. Okay. Yeah, the capital of Romania. And it it has the best acoustics. Wow. It's like just How old is just that place? Gorgeous. I don't know, a couple of hundred years old. That's it? It's old, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You can't say that in Chicago. I yeah. don't know, Max, like 110 years old. Like the right. F- oh, 120 maybe is the oldest you can get in most right. places. No, it's a couple of hundred years that's old. That's so cool. I don't know for sure. Is it weird to play in a place that's like 500 years old? If you are attuned to like energetic things, I think that the energy you can get just from being there, like your body, your physical body and spiritual body being there, like you can sort of draw, you know, from the building because the building has seen so much. Oh my God. Like it's, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. It's really incredible. It, yeah. I can't imagine it. That's, that's so cool to think about. Yeah, that's the one thing America doesn't have is... History? We don't, <laughs> well, our history is pretty s- sketchy. It's right. pretty yeah. daunting and terrible. But Not unlike other big, not unlike, big countries. That's, you know, that's a big... That's a great point. Yeah. That's every country, actually. Yeah, every country. No yeah. one has a good history. No. How did you think you got there? You had yeah, to take exactly. over something else and kill them. Yeah. That's how you got... <laughs> that's the only way it worked up until, like, I don't know. Now. Now, like <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Yeah, like 10 The Geneva ago. Convention, the UN. Right. It took atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki for them to be like, you know what? Maybe we should get together. And not do that anymore. Not split <laughs> atoms and create this nearly uh, unequivocal, unequivocal, I can't speak right now. <laughs> Something, an energy source you can't really mm-hmm. quantify mm-hmm. and destroy mm-hmm. everything in sight. Maybe we should not do that. So it took some heinous acts for it to finally get to a point. But up until then, yeah, it's been brutal how we got to where we are. So it is. it doesn't take away from how messed up the situation has been and was with slavery and racism yeah. and um, Native Americans being, you know, segregated and pushed away to different lands yeah, and just being completely insane. lost and forgotten. Insane. It's terrible, but at the same time, this has happened throughout all of history. Right. And w- all we can do as a country, society, culture is learn from that and never make those mistakes again. Exactly. Uh, admit to them. I mean, it wasn't you, it wasn't me. I wasn't there. I didn't right. do those things uh-huh. in direct and indirect ways. Our a lot of our ancestors did, but all we can do is like know that, know the history of it, talk about it like we are right now, right? Admit like this happened. It's messed up, and never do it again. 
and try your best to like make good in any way you can with anybody that's been affected by it, you know. How do you go about talking with someone who has like completely different views from yours? How do I? Yeah. Same way I would with anybody else. Uh-huh. Just talk to them because they're just uh-huh. a person. Right. You know, if they have a different view, then ask about it. What makes you feel that way? Mm-hmm. Like go further to talk to someone who has a different view than you mm-hmm. and to berate them and instantly get defensive. In no world will that help them, help you learn, and change their mind. Like, right. If we had a different belief, why would it work if I just started yelling at you? Right. Like, you're an adult with your own experience. You'd, you'd get more upset. You would shut that door right away if I started berating you. Yeah. So the best way I believe to do it is to calmly and peacefully and with an open mindset have that conversation. You might Ask questions. Ask questions. You might learn something even if you didn't think you would. And maybe take your time with it. If it's a family member or a sibling, um, a loved one that has a different belief than you and you're trying to like figure out a way to like change their perspective on something that you might know like they should probably stop thinking that way. Mm-hmm. You might have to take days, you know, weeks, months, years. Yes. Probably years. If it's like someone older, an aunt, uncle, parent, it might take years. But that's all you have. So... You have to do the yeah. best with you have. What are you going to do? Just hate them and shut them off? Like it's your family. You're kind of stuck. So well, you can. You can. You can. You have a choice. You can. You have. You always have a choice. My choice is to try something. It's a very good. Then to just sweep it under the rug and walk away. Right. That's my way it, of doing it. I think that you know it. It doesn't apply to everybody because there are, there is such thing as toxic parents. There is mm-hmm. such thing as toxic people, and you want to protect yourself from that if you yeah. are not one. Yeah. You know, and so you do have a choice always. Mm-hmm. Do you want to invest your energy into asking them the questions? I think about that all the time. Into po- right? Yeah, me too. There's Are, people I know, I just go like, do I do I even have the capacity right now to right. Like go down? Can I do this? Should I do this? It's hard. I feel guilty sometimes when I hear something. Right. I want to like try my best to do something about it, but I just like walk away because I'm like, I can't deal with this handle right now. yeah yeah you can only handle so much i feel bad about one though, person you know as long as you feel bad <laughs> <laughs> i can't help it i feel guilty about it it's the main source of my frustration and sadness is i don't believe is a chemical imbalance or a lower level of dopamine mm-hmm. it's a guilt that others aren't happy Right. Or others are suffering or others are going through something. Right. That's where I feel bad. That's what makes me sad. That's what makes me not fall asleep at night or cry is the pain of others being hurt, sad, not happy, not satisfied, suffering. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, High level of responsibility. Yeah. Feeling, feel... feeling very responsible for everything and everyone always. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something that you can work through only with yourself though yeah only with yourself it's not there's no magic magic recipe absolutely absolutely i think understanding like having the full grasp of the idea of choice Mm -hmm. that it is a choice even if like even feelings are a choice it's kind of crazy yeah but it is a choice like you can choose how to react to things like for example if something bad happens to you What's your natural reaction? Like, let me give you examples. Maybe you're 
running to the bus Mm -hmm. and you know it comes every 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and you just missed it because the person, the driver just wasn't paying attention. They just went out about their day because maybe they're having their own moment. What do you, and it's hot out. It's today. Mm -hmm. It's 95 degrees out. (laughs) How do you, how would your reaction be? Probably no reaction. I would probably get my phone out and, and get a Lyft or an Uber. That's my reaction. You wouldn't be mad? God damn it! No, no, I would not be mad. What if you didn't have the money for a Lyft and Uber and you had to take that public See, that's bus? different. My goal in life <laughs> is to get to that point where no problem around me couldn't be solved by money. <laughs> like Without money. Right. Yeah. Without money, right. See, like, yeah, if you well, not are... everyone can get there, though. Right. Can is it tricky. I think I think people can a lot more than they think. Eventually, they believe. but not, like, I don't, like, I don't think there's enough... The way the system is designed right now, mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough opportunity and money for all 7.8 billion people to be a millionaire. We have to kill Jeff Bezos. Do you know what I'm saying, though? <laughs> Like, wouldn't everyone love to just be like, money's not a problem? Like, I've heard that so many times in my life. Like, I just want to have enough money to where, like, I don't have to worry about it. It's like, yeah, you, me, and everyone we know. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. have you seen that movie? Which one? You, me, and everyone we know. Oh, no, oh. I, I haven't. <laughs> anyway, Miranda July. Have you heard of Miranda July? Mm-mm. Okay, anyway. I'll have to check it out. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. but, of course, everyone wants that. But, like, is there enough actual capital gain and room for all human beings on this planet to be there? Is that even how the system's designed to work? I don't think the system is designed to benefit anybody other than the people who designed it. However, I do think that there is much more opportunity in the world than we were made to believe. Yes, there is. And I used to think that I could never do the things like I did. Mm-hmm. I never imagined I could play Tiny Desk. Are you kidding me? Have you ever played a big desk? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Listen, your Frank joke, my big... <laughs> right, right. Enough of Thank the dad you. jokes. <laughs> <laughs> never enough. Uh. Never enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, <laughs> So... Have you performed with your bands outside Chicago? No. No, I If you not. were to choose, like, one venue that money is no object, like, it's doable right now, anywhere in America, where would you go? In America? Yeah. <sighs> Probably... Mm, probably Carnegie Hall, New York City. I was so hoping you wouldn't say that. The only reason why I would say that, the only reason why I would say it, have said that one, because I haven't been to many venues outside Mm -hmm. of Chicago, but I've been to that one. It's the only one I can relate to. Do you know what I'm saying? I haven't played anywhere else. I don't. I. I don't even think I've been to a venue in a different city. Oh really? I think I went to one in Milwaukee, the the Eagles Ballroom. But other than that, I've only been to pretty much every every single one in Chicago, Mm -hmm. and. A couple in other parts of Illinois, but that's it. So I have like nothing to base it off of, you know, mm-hmm. maybe one other one, but not a lot. No. So if I, I know my 
choice would change if I'd been to other places. Right. And said it, you know? Right. Um, but if I had to pick a place that's not inside, I would probably want to play in the middle of the desert. That would be pretty cool. Because I've been to the middle of the desert enough to, like, a whole concert in just the middle of the desert. Nowhere. For me, it would be in a mountain. Okay, so. Mountain top. We have similar yeah. things in mind of just being way out there. Yeah, absolutely. You want to be, I want to be in a grand basin, just like a hundred miles away from these uh-huh. vast distant mountains, you know? Uh-huh. And you're just in the middle of an old ocean from 50 million years ago <laughs> where you could still feel the salt in the sand, you know? Like mm-hmm. that's where I'd want to play. That's, that is pretty out there. <laughs> In a good way. How about you? If you could pick a venue in America. A venue in America? Mm. So you've been to so many more, I already know it. I don't know. Yeah, I think Chicago venues are great. If I were to go outside Chicago, well, I don't know. I think Carnegie, every classical musician hears the words Juilliard and Carnegie Hall so many times in our lives that like that's the last place I want to go to. The rebel in me is like, fuck Carnegie. Yeah. Let's See, never go there. We have different experiences there. with that, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, is it for a classical concert or is it for a rock concert? Rock. Rock, rock concert. I would probably want to play some like insane Summerfest, like Summerfest. Summerfest in yeah. Milwaukee? Yeah. I've been there, really? Yeah. Why that? I don't know. I thought you were going to say DZ cool. Fest, but whatever. I don't know. I haven't gotten an invitation to DZ <laughs> it's yet. It's filled up. The poster's oh! right there. You know that. <laughs> no, for next year. <laughs> no pressure, Ben. Oh, <laughs> uh, you put me on a lot of pressure. This about talking about diamonds and mm. how someone feels about them, and now DZ Fest. You know Fest. what? The song... Oh my god. Is it a song or is it just a fra- a cliche phrase that diamonds are a girl's best friends? Who made that shit up? That sounds like something that Zales or some type of jewelry store would make up, to be honest. Yeah, because that I don't know. That doesn't sound real. Sounds made up by yeah. a, a store. Yeah. A corporation. Definitely made it that It sounds one up. like it could have been in a song, you know what I mean? Maybe. It yeah. does. Maybe it was in a song, so they took that slogan or vice versa. A company came over there. Verse Visa? That was vice versa. Now you're switching the whole phrase. Oh, that, that was clever. Um, <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, there's there's so many weird tropes like that. Uh, yeah, and like all of that is put into your head mm-hmm. at an early age. So, of course, you grow up thinking that you need to do a certain thing. I, when in reality, no. I can't no. stand it. No, you I cannot. admire so many people who don't do that. Men, women. It always leans more towards women because... Men already are, are told to do that. Right. I admire men who are open about their feelings. Yeah. The opposite of what, you know, men do. Right. Who are okay with themselves, right. okay with being more, you know, air quotes, feminine, Expre- talking about it's their feelings. Bullshit. When I see a man cry, I appreciate it more because yeah. they don't so often. Like, so often men won't share anything about right. their feelings, you know. and Exactly. I mean, on this podcast alone, I think of probably cried a four three four times People, i didn't make you cry yet not yet you came close with the diamonds it wasn't it <laughs> wasn't it the diamonds i knew it <laughs> no no you haven't made me come close to cry yet okay um <laughs> i i felt a little sad when you were talking about looking at kids outside your window yeah that's sad yeah 
But it's all for the greater good. <laughs> do the ends justify the means? Do the means justify the ends? It's um, it's usually when you hear something just so overwhelmingly emotional. It's like you can't help it. Usually a tragic thing. A lot of the stories I've heard from women and the harassment. Oh, yeah. Physical, emotional, sexual harassment. Yeah. That's pretty hard to stomach. Knowing for so many years that's been going on around me in the world and either I didn't know I, I, I've never thought about it because I don't live that way I don't act that way I know, yeah. I, I've never cat called I don't even know how to do that like it doesn't make sense to me you are the weird one you know that <laughs> yeah according to everybody I don't know yeah who is everybody I anyway? don't I just so I, I I couldn't fathom that and then when I've heard so many people tell me on and off mic throughout my life but more recently, women have been so much more open about it. I've just been so overwhelmed, like, wow, that happened to you? Like, over and over again, the stories I've heard, and it's so sad, so tragic. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you've faced more. your own, you know? I have. I can't imagine. So many industries are male-dominated, and the music one yeah. is very male-dominated. Classical dominated. music is super male-dominant. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure you've gone through a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if this podcast is the good place to share about this. But you don't have to say anything you don't I, want to. Right. I, you know, I have not shared my Me Too story. I don't think... I mean, for sure not on any public uh, occasion, like a recording or anything like that. Like, my family knows. Not my dad, though. He doesn't know. He doesn't speak too much English, so he won't get this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I... When Me Too happened, like, I I was shocked, too, by the amount of women around me who went through completely shitty, unnecessary, avoidable situations. If men were taught how to respect women and how to feel comfortable with themselves and not try to be someone who they're not, men up and whatever, going back to why men need feminism, so that they don't have to men up. They can just be themselves. Mm -hmm. The air quote feminine side of them can live, you know, mm -hmm. and exist in harmony with the masculine. We we all have both. Absolutely. Like, you're not just a woman. You're not just a man. No. And there are so many more genders to it. Like... That's a whole nother story, like, with people coming to terms that, no, it's not just two. There's more, and there's a, there's a full spectrum greater than the colors on the rainbow. Like, it's it's more than that. LGBTQ is more than than the colors of the rainbow. Um, one major realization of um, my change in beliefs, if you will, of you know, living in Moldova and then coming here is that I think most people who are uh, homophobic, by the way, not a good word because phobia means fear, but they don't hate, they don't fear gay people. They hate gay people. Mm -hmm. Not just gay. By gay, I mean everybody mm -hmm. who is not like them. I had realized that I pushed my own sexuality is so deep inside and covered it with this bigotry instead of admitting to myself that I am bisexual and I have liked 
women and men since I can remember myself. This is like majority of people does not know this about me. So this is totally personal <laughs> moment. <laughs> God, <laughs> sharing. Oh. Well, thank you for yeah. telling for sharing. This. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but like through my own experience, I realized that major like Mike Pence is the gayest man you'll ever know. So is Putin. He he probably is. I I don't know hanging out with a young handsome guy right now. Putin and Pence. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> oh my God! You you were saying such a serious thing, and then you're making me crack up. You have you have my feelings and emotions all over the spectrum right now. Are <laughs> so you, are I you am gonna make you cry, are you, aren't I? <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you telling me that um yeah not not a lot of people know that about you or oh no like, uh, very few family like my sister and my mom knows my husband obviously knows. That I'm bisexual, but no, majority of friends don't know this about me. Wow. Yeah. And you're just sharing it. With I'm just sharing it. What is it about this place that makes people share things? Share all sorts of shit, yeah? I don't know. I think it's you. I don't think it's the place. I think it's you. Really? Mm-hmm. I think you are the place. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's such a beautiful thing to say. It's just the yeah. way you say it. Because you have, not only is your accent, you know, air quotes, intimidating. Uh-huh. It's the way you, like... You have dag. Uh, you look into my soul. <laughs> you stare into the I eye. I have this capability. You stare yes. into the eye and you say, and like, it's you. You are the place. And I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> wow, thank you. That's a really beautiful thing to say. But for real. Um, I, I appreciate mean it. it. Oh, I never flatter, Ben. You should know this about <laughs> me. I never flatter. I don't believe in flattery. That's that's that Eastern European. It view. is. It's very Eastern European. Yeah. I don't think that's a quality that I'm looking to change. You know, I've changed a lot of things about me. For some reason, people fear change. Like they think that they will lose themselves if mm-hmm. they start believing something else. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. If you're pondering on some idea in your head, that's good. Yeah, that's it's the best. It's good to think you differently. You should do that. Yeah, question your own yeah. beliefs. Absolutely, every day. And you know, my husband is so smart. He's he said something that stuck with me so hard. Uh, he he says, "If you are not willing to question your beliefs, then what does that tell about your beliefs?" Mm. That blew my mind when I heard that. It was I like, like that. Wait, oh my god, for real? Like, what does that say about your beliefs? I mean. The paradox of that alone of a belief is something that you literally are putting, uh, aside from mathematics, mm-hmm. which branches into science, you're essentially just putting your own faith and hope and mm-hmm. concepts that you've conjured up into something, an mm-hmm. idea. So it's there are holes in it. It's not bulletproof. Yeah. So to not question that inherently means that you're, if you don't go that way, then you're you're living a contradictory. You're living questionably big lies that you you don't even know. Right. It's just a belief. Like it's something that you are putting your your identity into. It doesn't necessarily make it all 100% foolproof. Right. I don't think any belief is. I think there's always a uh, meandering concept that can go around it or through it. And you need to kind of figure that out and, and try to pinpoint it. And those pinpoints, you know, you're going to poke a lot of holes, but eventually they'll get close to something. Yeah, closer you know? to self. Yeah. I think because the more I questioned my beliefs, the the 
more beliefs I found that resonated with my soul that weren't just like, and important to, very important to realize that like, you don't know what you know. You don't know what you don't know. Mm, like, yeah. there is so much that we don't know that thinking that this is the way, like, it's it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Like, that's how we have Putin. That's how we have Trump. Yeah. Etc. You know, they, yeah. they are only two people in, in a group of, of assholes who are in power. I know. I... Yeah, those guys. I can't. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not just them. It's it, there's a lot of them. The, the president of Brazil, the Venezuelan guy, the like the, the all sorts of, all sorts of people. Like, but so you know what? The most important people in my life and the most powerful people are not those people. It's yeah. it's people you interface with. It's this. Yeah, it is. It's, this. it's friendships. It's it's musicianship. It's uh. Your husband, it's yeah. it's uh, maybe if you have kids, it's a, it's your child. It's, yeah, it's your local, you know, community. Yeah, community. Your mayor, like these are really what affects you, like at a fundamental level. Yeah, you know, the other things are so important, but they're so detached and so removed. Like, there's only so much I can do about the president. Like, really, there's really only so much I can right. do. And I do that every four years. I, right. I cast a vote. Like, what else can Good I actually for you. do? Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, legit, like. To everybody who votes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Like, I cannot vote yet. I'm not a citizen yet. I hopefully will be in, like, two to three years. What takes so long if your husband's a citizen? My husband is a citizen. First, you apply for a residency. You get a two-year card, a green card. And then you apply for the 10-year card because the first card is temporary. It's called conditional resident. And then after you become a conditional resident, you become a permanent resident. Okay. And then after three years from the moment of receiving the first card, you can apply for citizenship. And that takes about a year to process. What a process. <laughs> it's it's majority of people have no idea. Yeah, no, I, mean, I don't. I yeah. was born here. Why I, would you? Why would I? Why would you? Yeah. It's, and that's very and ridiculous. And prior to this, I had a visa called extra, uh, Alien with Extraordinary Abilities. Wow. Called the O-1 visa. You're an alien with extraordinary yeah. abilities. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That is a weird way to phrase that right. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, that process was super tedious. Mm-hmm. Like getting a green card through marriage is much much, much easier than applying for an artist visa. That's the, the alien mm-hmm. with extraordinary I'm sure abilities. that's the easiest way to get, or at least the easiest way to fast-track the process is to be married to someone who's yeah, born here, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That is the quote-unquote easiest way. It's yeah. still not easy. Like, for example, there's, I'm, I thought, you know, should I talk about this? Should I not? No, I'm going to fucking talk about You've it. You've been doing that all day. Immigration is racist. Oh, yeah. Immigration is fucking racist. We have clients from all over the world. We have clients from, lots of clients from Western Africa. Statistically speaking, our clients from Western Africa have a much harder time getting residency than people from Europe. Eastern Europe. Moldova. Let's keep, let's pick a country. Uh, they, they do discriminate against Eastern Europeans. They do. Immigration does. But they will not discriminate against a German person, a French person, a British person. You know, Western Europe is like its own little thing. Like people are... What is... What do you think... Because you have a little bit of insight because you work at a firm. Right. So 
what do you know? Like, what? Why is that? Why? Why is that? Yeah. It's it's a consciousness problem. It's not a. It's not like who. Contrary to what many people believe, like it's the people on top that are screwing things up. No, it's it's not. It's like the 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 immigration officers who are on power trips. You know, they are on a power trip. They want to feel like they are doing something meaningful, so they are ignoring the guidelines. There's something called the preponderance of the evidence, which means that like the evidence in its totality has to prove that a person married to a U.S. citizen is in a good faith marriage rather than not. So the preponderance of evidence, like in its totality, has to prove that. What immigration officers do is they pick and choose a bunch like random documents from the list of documents and find little tiny problems with them and they specifically do this to black people mm. they specifically do this to specific people it's not incidental we have people who we have clients who have their residency pending for like a ludicrous amount of time like 4 years like, we have people who applied in 2017, still no decision, because immigration officer didn't do their job. Do you know how much it costs to apply for papers through a citizen, a spouse? No. $1,760. That's a lot of money. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's a shitload of money. <laughs> and then, <laughs> like, immigration as a group... Uh, branch of the government is primarily funded by these fees. So immigration depends on people filing for their paperwork. And then people doing it legally, doing it properly, are facing such intense scrutiny, especially people people from Africa. It's so messed up. Yeah. Yeah, it's completely messed up. It seems like the system... And brown people, too. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's yeah. not just black people. Brown people, too. It seems to be the thing I hear from all walks of life, from every system, from the yeah. traditional system to the immigration system, education system. I even seen in you know communities and neighborhoods. You know, I've I've would deliberately, you know, ignore the highway a lot, mm -hmm. going to friends' houses mm -hmm. in the city, mm -hmm. and I would take certain roads that went through really, really hard neighborhoods, mm -hmm. really low-income neighborhoods. And that's not far from here. It's not far from the nice neighborhoods. It's right. not far from Lincoln Park and mm -hmm. Gold Coast and mm -hmm. Wicker Park and Bucktown. And mm -hmm. and yet you see that and you're like, it's right underneath our nose. The segregation it's right and here. the gentrification is right there. And why is nothing being done about it? I don't know. You see the racism right in front of you. You see it all the time. And you see it and you see it with this immigration law, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, all the time. It's really all the time. Oh, it's sad. I I tr I try to do what I can within the realm of my capabilities, my possibilities, you know. That's what's important. Yeah. You can only do what you can do. And if you're doing that, you're doing great. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's wow, we went we got dark here. We were laughing. <laughs> Asking where would you play Carnegie Hall, and <laughs> then you're telling me about yeah, home, like like 
your yeah. sexuality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you said something about Me Too, and then I, I don't know what's going on. We're all over the place. I'm just all like, over the place, yeah. <sighs> it's the energy man. It's the moon and whatever. Oh, we're going to talk about astrology now? Are you into it? Do I look like I'm into it? Probably not. No. Are you? I appreciate it. I appreciate that was a good it. answer. I I appreciate it <clears throat> in the same way I appreciate everything. I'm right. open. I'm open to hearing about it. Right. But do I believe it? No. I mean, I don't believe a lot of things. So I'm fascinated by it, but I don't put all my eggs in that basket at all. Right. You know? I don't think it's good to put all of your eggs in any basket. No. I think you should. The astrology right one on. is very fascinating, though, because it's become such a popular thing. These right. days. Right. Um, like, it's it's such a common thing you see on social media, on dating apps. You mm-hmm. know, it's really interesting. And I've only, I've brought this up before. I brought it up with friends on and off podcast. I only ever really hear women bring it up. I don't know why. And I'm not being sexist. I've heard women say the same thing. Like, yeah, me too. Like, yeah. I never hear guys talk about it. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I don't know why. I'll never, I, I keep asking why, like, I ask women, what do you think about that? So I'm going to ask you, what do you think about that statement? So I was very against astrology for a very long time. And then, uh, and then <laughs> I think I thought about how it's not, you know, good to completely, like, yeah. cross out an entire, mm, some people may disagree if I call it science. It is, I think, it is somewhat of a, as much as like self help is any science. Like the astro- astrology can be used to, to your benefit in many different ways. And I well, would like you know, to explain. Yeah, yeah. Please do. So actually, my two, the two times I had an astrological reading was with guys. My two astrologers are men. One of them is a very, very old man, <laughs> very wise. Uh, he's a shaman. Uh, John Sacelli is his name. He was big in the Chicago DIY scene. He was like in every hippie event like that happened in the DIY scene. Mm-hmm. He He's super wise. And like I love listening to people who are wise. I love hearing them share their ideas, you know, and... I thought that it was not right of me to completely cross out astrology without knowing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt really stupid doing that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, then, well, I will put my best effort into learning about it and doing my best to understand as much as I can without yeah. getting a fanatic about it. Mm-hmm. And then the more I learned about it, the more fascinating it got, the more interested i became in like the little connections between because it's not like i'm an aries so i'm like a free spirit it doesn't work that way you know astrology i think the popularized astrology gives astrology a bad name yeah yeah i I agree with that so elaborate on the part of it that you appreciate or, or 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 more into you know I appreciate astrology from an, you know, from an esoteric point of view, if you will. Um, I think you can learn a lot about different type of behavioral patterns 
based on when someone was born. I know it sounds crazy, but it does. It does. But like when I try to do it with me, then I can't because I don't know your exact. I would need to like run your chart through the. But the thing is, where your constellations were when you were born. Where that chart come from, and what it says about someone, some person just came up with, like your explanation. You know what? Every science was made up by a person. That's true, except we've been able to do something called, we've had hypothesize, or hypotheses. Right. And there's something called the scientific method. You know, you know this, we all know this. Like, we... we but science is not absolute. No, it's not. Yeah. No, Neither is not. astrology. It's not absolute. Well, they're very different. One is way more absolute than the next. Right. I think that if you are geared to only believing, like, heart... Like how how this microphone is working and going to zeros and ones and coming back and then being put on the internet like that is all science and engineering and right. those work otherwise it wouldn't work absolutely Whereas, so astrology in this case has nothing to do with the science it's right. it's a science of its own I think it is it is useful to consider it as a behavioral um, guideline for people mm-hmm. you know like for example. I did, after doing my own Mm -hmm. uh, chart, after uh, two different astrologers did my chart, I got very curious about certain qualities in my family members' characters that I needed to check in their chart, right? (laughs) I need to do this. Okay. So I did that, and it alleviated a lot of frustration in a weird way. You know, like, this person is prone to doing this. Like, um, I'm an Aquarius, but this means nothing because there are like 17 other qualities in the astrological chart. It's very intricate. I think it's so unfair Hmm. to diminish it into this like horoscope, (laughs) you know, like Aquarius this month is going to have more luck than the previous month. Like that's garbage. Yeah. That's not astrology. I need to hear the part that you're talking about, the experience you've had. I I would need someone to do that for me, mm-hmm. even to even give it the, the time of day, to be honest. Because when I hear, like, read your chart, and it'll tell you this about somebody. It's amazing how much the astrologers told me about myself. That was completely true. Yeah, but how do you know it's not just them just saying what you need to hear, what you want to hear? How do you know? Because there are things that they cannot know unless they know what they're talking about. I would like, need to they go don't know this. me. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's different for everybody. I would literally Absolutely. have to be in your shoes and experience that to be like, huh, interesting. Yeah, I can't wait for it. it. I would love to think. meet someone that. Would... It made me think. I I can put you in touch with John Sicelli. He's wonderful. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. He just by explaining some things about. It's very subtle. It's yeah. not black and white. Like you are a dick, or like. <laughs> You, but it's that subtlety that worries me because it's not. It's so like subjective. It's, it's a gray little blurry. Area. Yeah, that but gray just like we are, we are a gray area. Yeah, like we are ever changing, evolving. Hopefully, mm-hmm. humans that are picking something from here, picking something from there. Um, it it's a there's a lot to consider when it I comes think, to astrology. I think I get what you're saying. I know what you're a coming lot. From. Yeah, it's it's not. It's not an absolute science. It's no. not like zeros and ones, the microphone going into the computer and into the internet. It's about the subtleties of life, the subtle qualities of your character. So maybe you shouldn't call it, like no one should call it a science. It could be maybe 
a way of living, a way of life, a, a, a complicated sure. thought of experience of life. I don't know what you call it, but I think science might be the wrong word. That's probably where it gets a sure. bad rep, you know? Sure. It could Abs- be the wrong absolutely. way. Of, it could be a different belief system or way of thinking other than a science, you know? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> that would probably be better for it. Words you know? are signposts. Yeah. You know, the the meaning of words changes with time so, so yeah. much. And like lately, I frankly don't like the the trend of people treating science as God. Yeah. Because it's not. No, it's we, not we absolute. We get to a point where you don't have the answers. It's, it's not yeah. fully absolute. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not absolute. No. Like yeah. the, all the conspiracy theories about COVID vaccines and all of that, like it, it, it can be painful to read and hear from people but at the same time i want people to be open enough to admit that science is not god no you know science is made by humans humans are imperfect creatures Mm -hmm. we are imperfectly perfect if you will if you want to be cliche Mm -hmm. i i feel like being cliche right now we are imperfectly perfect we do our best when we can uh, when we're working on something to to try to understand it nobody mm-hmm. fucking understood covid when it happened you know so scientists did the best the best they could they could they're still doing the best we're learning as we go like it's it's all a learn as you go mm-hmm. type of thing so with astrology i think it's i don't think it's like the smartest to just completely discount it because pop astrology is garbage yeah, like, oh, I won't date so-and-so because they're Leo. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, that is such garbage. Yeah, that's what I'm talking But that's yeah. the stuff that you always hear. Right. And that's the problem. But that's fake astrology. Fake mm. news. But the thing is, how do you know when it's fake to not fake? How would By one learning. Know? Learning a lot. Exactly. Going further. Yeah, going You've further. You've given me more information than anybody I've ever asked. <laughs> so, thank you. Oh, yeah, sure. At least you've not only have given me more, but at least you've tried... To, to explain more and to, to elaborate. Some yeah. people just say, like, I don't know. I just like it. I just like it because I, I feel like it lot gives me out answers. Of it. And like, they just stop there. Yeah. You know? I got a lot out of it about about things that I am prone to doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm very intense. You know? There's no going around yeah, it. Yeah, but it's I could like, just told you that. Right. <laughs> I, <laughs> right. But, like, not everybody you know is as intense as I am. No. Right? Because not, ev- not. everybody is. Probably nobody you know is I'm as scared. intense as I am. <laughs> my, my legs have been shaking on the table. No. No, yeah. Like, but do you, did you need a astrology to tell you? Or could your no, friend or your I, husband just be like. I, I knew in- that about myself. Yeah. But that is connected to a certain type of energy. It's a subtle, subtle energetic connection between a certain i'm not going to get into the constellation but it's like a a particular energy from a particular constellation that makes humans that it doesn't like make you be a certain way but it gives you potential capa- p- potential qualities like yeah. you you are more likely than not to develop this certain quality in your character than this other person born on this other completely different day and and different uh, positions of everything in the sky when they were born. I am I love esoteric uh, things. I love learning about it because I think it's not to your benefit 
to completely discount things you don't understand. Also, I realized, like, with, you know, my sexuality and suppressing that and, and acting homophobic, that we are afraid of that which we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And we discount things we don't understand. It's much easier to do that than to try to learn about it yeah. and then try to make use of it for for yourself. Mm-hmm. Astrology may not be for you, but also like you wouldn't do be doing the absolute smartest thing by just saying that it, it's all garbage. Mm-hmm. It's like to me it would be the same with like you don't know anything about music. You hear a song and you think it's garbage and then you say, oh, music is garbage. Pop music, like you hear a shitty pop song and you think that all pop music is garbage. When that's just like one song, literally, you know, Mm -hmm. one pop song. I would love to talk to someone who knew way more about it, you know, would elaborate on more information. Yeah. It's just I'm I'm so used to hearing the very superficial part of it. Right. And I I asked a further question. I get nothing from it. And like in any circumstance of any background, religious, astrology, any art form, anything. When I ask a question and no one can go further, then you instantly are turning me off. It's like, yeah, well, of course. then what do you even believe? You don't even know. Yeah, like, at least why do you believe this? Have something if you're going to believe it. That's the thing. I don't believe it, but I have no nothing to back it up. So, like, I have no reason to feel guilty about, like, not fully believing. It's like, well, I don't know. Like, I would like to learn more about it, but at least I don't claim something and not have anything to back it up. And that's a, that's a different ballgame, you know? Yeah. So Plus, there's a lot of people out there who just talk shit they don't know about. They don't know anything about and then they like, but I read this BuzzFeed article. Like, nobody cares, Susan. Shut up. Like, we've heard you. I love your voices, by Thank the way. You've been doing them all day. Your old man voice here. I think that's the uh, classic female, I don't know, like whiny voice. I don't know. What you're. I, I know what you're doing. I'm trying to think of a way to describe it. Uh, that's so funny. I mean, you said something interesting a second ago about fearing what you don't understand and mm-hmm. suppressing your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what what made you learn not to do that or what made you feel okay with talking about it or having, having the ability to, to, to speak out loud about it people. to anybody? Just meeting people? Meeting people. Yeah. It's insane. That's like, the most important thing. That's why I, like, I feel to my core that if you live in a big city and you're a bigot, you have no excuse that like no you cannot blame your parents if your parents didn't love you you still have no excuse to be a bigot Mm. in a big city because the information is out there but if you choose not to take it then you're not very smart probably yeah you're not a deep thinker no 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 fascinating yeah (laughs) (laughs) what a roller coaster (laughs) yeah we we've gone some places (laughs) Lots of places. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate you being so candid and honest about everything. Yeah. I'm always honest. That's oh yeah, thing. I've noticed. It's a thing, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's important. I've learned so much from hearing you speak and just talking to you. It's been nice. I thank you. <laughs> and thank you for the kind things you've said. I, I, I really appreciate you saying that about me. Um. You're very easy to talk to. Thank you. You know, like I, when I saw you at the recording session, like I immediately was like, oh, this, like I know this guy. 
It's like seriously, I felt like I've known really? you from like I don't know a past life or something, or maybe that's astrological <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> But I do, I did feel that way. Still do feel that way. Like, Thank you. It was like so instant. I didn't need to explain myself to you too much. You no. knew exactly what to do, how to do. So easy. You're a very good listener. Thank you. Very very good listener. Thank you. Um, I would say the same thing about you. I will say the same thing about you. <laughs> oh, but, please do. <laughs> but most importantly, what you said, what helps with that is people. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the first time I've done that, you know? Right. Um, when you work with thousands and thousands of people, that's how you can guess how long have you been playing violin right. for, you know? That was so funny. You were like, <laughs> so So I said, so how long have I been, when, when did you start playing? I'm like, when did you think I, I started playing? And you're like, play a little bit. And like from two notes into it, you're like, You started at five. I'm like, what? <laughs> Say what? How? And then you're like, how old am I? And I'm like, 28. <laughs> <laughs> you, when you hear enough people play an instrument, <clears throat> the, the control, the dexterity, the pitch recognition, the stability, the movement, the tone, the timbre, the quality, the resonation, everything about it comes up and you just, you just know. You just tell. Uh, I can't, I don't know. You hear it enough. You're yeah. just like, hmm. And then you meet enough people. People tell me their age. I don't know why, but you mm -hmm. hear it enough and you can just tell what people look like. Right. How they speak, their demeanor, their yeah. way they're dressed, the way they're kept. These are all factors in someone's age, you know? You know, when I played in the country cover band, <laughs> it was so funny. People would come up to me on stage and be like, are you 16? And I was like, why? thank you very much. People tend to think just by looking at me that I'm much younger than I am, and then I open my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was you speaking. I was like, she's in her early twenties, probably twenty eight. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I I had someone come up to me in a bar, and I'm playing like a one a.m. show in a bar, and he's like, "Are you even supposed to be here?" And I'm like, "Yes, I'm twenty five." I love your southern draw. <laughs> Are you even supposed to be here? <laughs> Now, down by it's the really creek, we get ourselves a popsicle and a popsicle. I don't That's know why really you're good. getting a popsicle by the creek, but, you know, when you're stuck in the Appalachian Trail for as long as I have been, you've seen some things. And I, the gas station, we only have unleaded none of that premium garbage they sell you. German cars. My father was in the war. I don't like German cars. <laughs> Oh my god. Is this a little bit you've been working I on? I don't know. I'm just ranting. I've been <laughs> to the South a lot and I went camping in Tennessee my whole life. So I spent a lot mm. of time around people with southern draws and in Kentucky and then I'm my family lives in Indiana, so I meet a mm -hmm. lot of people in Indiana and a lot of their family came from Kentucky. So you just it's around a lot and I don't know if I'm good at it, but I definitely do it all the time. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> I mean I think you should be in a Tarantino movie. Oh, thank I'd you. Like, <laughs> yeah, Quentin should be calling you right about now, asking you to do one of the South Quentin, roles. can I be in your final film, please? <laughs> It's been my dad's dying dream to see the sunshine. <laughs> I love Tarantino. Obviously, yeah. you do too, because you have like a bunch of posters downstairs. With yeah, I had Tarantino two of them, movies. Jackie Brown and um, and uh, Pulp Fiction, yeah. 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 Um, I love movies a lot. I haven't watched them as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. COVID made me go outside every day and like get away from watching stuff. Dude, you're like the only one. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I got rid of all my subscriptions and just started walking and going outside every day. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Yeah, well, that's why I I'm okay. I think better I than that. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. I saw, well, when you hear that the worst thing you can do is to be sedentary and be overweight and to not take vitamins and to not eat well and sleep well. And I was like, well, I guess I should just do all that. So if I get sick, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So I went extreme and did all those things because there was nothing else to do, by the way. Oh like all God. my work went away. And I was like, well, if I sit around watching stuff all day, that's not good for me. And I want, I started to be under the, the mindset of I want to do everything with a purpose. Everything. Everything I do with has pure intention as much as I can get. So binge watching something on Hulu or Netflix isn't that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be obsessive about it. I will have my moments when I'm on a, you know, having a fun night on a date. Yeah, I'll watch stuff. I don't care. It's this. That's the point to right. have those moments. It's the same right. thing with drinking. It's like I don't want to drink during the week or even every weekend, but if, if I'm having fun, if I'm seeing someone I haven't seen in a while, an old friend, I'm happy, 4th of July weekend, mm-hmm. then I'm going to go crazy. Like, yeah, why not? Because yeah. I never do that. It's for fun. If I don't watch anything out of nowhere, someone's like, oh, let's, the show's great. Let's watch a couple episodes. Okay, I could do that because I haven't been doing it all day, every day. Right. And that's how I want to do everything in life. Um, so yeah. I kind of... Sounds like you're doing what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Trying. You would be jailed in some countries for that. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. It's hard. I mean, it's so easy to Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu. Yeah. It's mindless. It. It's, Showtime. It's mindless. HBO. I did it for a long time. I, I didn't sleep well and I would just watch stuff all night. And that aided and abetted the not sleeping well. Yeah. You know? So Absolutely. I had to, you just got to know, got to be mature and realize like there's better ways to spend my time than totally. to do that. So. Yeah. So now when I watch a movie, it's like very intentional. It's like and, I'm gonna yeah. watch a movie with this person. Uh-huh. I'm not gonna look at my phone. We're gonna sit there and watch it. And right. Like, I'm gonna take it in, uh-huh. take something from it, and talk about it afterwards, and have fun and like learn. And if it's a comedy, laugh. And if it's a drama, learn something from it. If it's a thriller that has a twist, you know, like try to figure that twist out. Yeah. But not sit there all day every day. Like, gotta watch my show. It's like, well, it's not your show. You don't. <laughs> you don't own it. And you didn't make it. I love that. Gotta watch my show. <laughs> I hope to never hear that again. Gotta watch my program. Gotta watch my television program <laughs> on TNT. <laughs> I like TNT a lot. It's nitroglycerin. It's my favorite channel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you, know, do you know how long we've been talking for? I don't. Guess. Two and a half hours? Three hours. Three hours. Yeah. It's going to be one long podcast. They're usually between like two and a half to four. Holy shizzle. (laughs) 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 I'm having a blast. This has been a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Are you enjoying yourself? I'm having such a fun time. Right? Let's do this again. We should do it again. (laughs) I mean, I have no rules. I'm just talking to people. No script. No script. Nothing. I've been asked... Like, how do you come up with the questions? Like, I just listen and I ask what makes sense to me in that <laughs> time and space. I don't know. I have had, I have a, I asked a person, I was like, oh, you should come on the podcast. You'd be a really cool person to talk to. And he was just like, you guys sent me the questions before. I was like, I don't, I don't have any. I don't, I don't do that. No, I just 
just spew out information. Right. I li- mostly listen, and then you learn what to ask if you just listen. Yeah. You know? That's if you just fucking listen. Gotta listen. That's a skill. I find myself doing that well, and then sometimes I find myself not, and I get embarrassed. I find myself waiting for... Maybe not so much here because the headphones, microphone locked mm-hmm. in thing helps a lot with waiting. Person but, looking into your soul. Yeah, looking to your soul. <laughs> but outside of this, when you're just hanging out with people, I catch myself waiting for my turn to talk. And I'll admit to it, I, I don't do it as much as I used to. I'll Most be honest. Most people don't even understand that they do that. Oh, I'm aware of it. I feel embarrassed afterwards. I might not say anything, but I'll, I'll feel guilty. And there's very few times I don't do that. Um, or I, I only do that a few times now. And I try not to do it all. I'm trying to get to the point where... I never do that again. It's just natural to only be there, be present, listen. One of the, f- no, the first thing I noticed about you is that you really listened. Like you asked me some question about some chord or something. And then I was answering, but you were like really listening. I was like, how often do I talk to a sound engineer who is like not staring at the board or at the screen while they ask me a question and yeah. they expect a reply? Like it, yeah. it was instantaneous i was like wow this guy is really present in the here and the now i like to learn you know and yeah talking to different musicians like i don't play violin and to meet people who play a violin or the flute or who are singing in a different language like especially when there's a communication breakdown you Mm -hmm. know every like you you have you speak english but because you have an accent and you learn so late you have interesting ways of saying a sentence or saying a point it's not wrong. It's just you just different. It, it's different. Yeah. So I used to feel very embarrassed about it. By the way, like no, you speak three languages, you should not feel embarrassed <laughs> at all. I'm fluent in English, even though I have weird phrasings. You're sometimes, fluent. yeah, yeah. It's I. It's my best language at the moment because I speak it the most yeah. time. You've you've used words that are complicated. You've used ten dollar words. You know. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> 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 no, it's it's good. It's a good thing. You should not be ashamed and. Yeah, I just, I also have learned, like, it's a good thing as a person to a person to pay attention. It's a good thing in a selfish way for my job if I know what's going on and mm-hmm. I can best be like, mm-hmm, figure it out. Mm-hmm. It helps in every facet. Selfish, for selfish reasons and for non-selfish reasons. It's a it's good thing. It's okay to be selfish. It's natural, 100%. <laughs> Children. Children are great to learn from. Children are so selfish they will just want to get what they want to get, and then they want to move on with their lives. But yet somehow we're guilt-tripped into believing that that's not the way that it should work. But that's how everybody operates. Mm -hmm. Some people are just more open with it than others, you know? Like some choose to be okay with that quality of theirs and others feel embarrassed or like that they're using some. No, we're constantly using Mm -hmm. each other. Yeah. Like it's, it's just... A fact of life. We are constantly using each other, yeah. you know? And hopefully to to the better good. For That's the better my goal. good. My goal is to be aware of that selfish act, but try to do something good with it for myself and that person right. involved as much as I can without it being only about myself. Right. You know, it's, yeah, no, you're not wrong. It's, that's a good point. Those yeah. kids, the kids are hilarious. Yeah. Oh my God. There's, there's this one comedian, I, he has a, a funny joke about kids. He's just like, they're so loud. <laughs> just like, Which comedian is it? Uh, what's it? Tom Segura. Oh, I love him. He, yeah. It is a bit. I forgot. I was watching it recently. I was cracking up. 
just like, I want a sippy cup. And just like yelling, like, why are you yelling? Like, calm down. I'm like, I'm right here. Like, stop yelling. Some kids are loud. Yeah. I love the making fun of the the crying kid. The <laughs> just like they can't breathe. The snot's right. going into the mouth. Right. You're just a mess. You're like, right. dude, relax. Like a panic attack. <laughs> You're just like, whoa. I used to be that kid, so I can do it really well. I can make fun of myself. There are really useful techniques to dealing with children like that. My mother-in-law is a brilliant mom. Mm. She, I learned this from her, that mm. if a child talks like that, like they're like, <laughs> just yeah. unable to ex- express what they want, what she would do is she would look at them very calmly and say, I don't understand when you, sp- when you speak like that. And then they would be for they. Mm. Mar- my husband told me that he, he like distinctly remembers that. Oh, I guess like she can't understand me, so can- I can't get what I need, what I want. And so they would automatically calm down and speak in a normal voice. Yeah, that's in a, a good normal point. Wa- manner. It's feeding into that becomes a problem where it's like it's okay, like, don't be. It's okay. I, I, when you baby someone, right? That's when it well, feeds into it. Babying is just it's not good. No, 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 it's it's not healthy. No, it's no. not. It doesn't. Unless it's you your cat, to... you can baby your cat. Animals, you know, how could yes. you not? Dogs. Yes. You saw Bo. Oh, he's how do you, so cute. How do you not baby Bo? No, you can't. He's I just can't. like a big, you know, camel. lovable. Yeah, he's so big. Yeah, it's funny. He knocks people over all the time. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if you're not paying attention, he leans up on you to give you, like, a little hug, he'll knock you over. Because he's, like, 120 pounds. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he, he's heavier than me. It's funny. I've said his weight many times, and many people, mostly women, have been, like, he's heavier than me. <laughs> or weighs as much as I do. I'm just, like, yeah. He's a big wow. boy. Yeah, big Huge. boy. Yeah. Um, dude, but don't you have to leave? You said you had to practice tonight? I do have practice tonight. What time is it? 6.30. Probably should. <laughs> Have we solved all the problems of the universe? No, but you'll be on someday again soon. We'll get. We'll okay. pick up right where we left off. Oh, yeah. Which is nobody remembers. We when. we we went so many places. Yeah, and we, we did. missed a lot of points. We sure we'd, did. We'd be like, oh yeah, and then just. But that's there's no rules. That's when you know it's a good conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I had a good time. Yeah, me too. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for having me. It's, it's wonderful. It is really wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and meeting you and. Likewise. You're a very talented violinist. Very talented. Thank you. And you're going to keep doing great things with it. Can't wait to see it all. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you for being here, and um, (laughs) thank you, everyone, for listening. Toodles. 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 Toodles.